The podcast is late. The podcast is late. I am very sorry that the podcast is late. I'm moving and it takes a lot of time. The podcast, the podcast is, late, is late, but it's free, so don't complain. The podcast is late, but it's free, so don't complain. Let the podcast. Is yeah. What's up? Hey everyone, how's it going? Welcome to the podcast. Uh, today, we got a great show. Hope everyone had a nice Memorial Day weekend. I watched a lovely anime film in memoriam of everyone. Uh, it was actually a really great movie. It was called Your Name. Check it out! Also, look forward to a new segment on the show today called Do You Like Anime? Wow. Exciting stuff here on Happy Sad Talk Thing today. Uh, today we've got an incredible guest, Chris Chalakian. Yeah! Oh shit, y'all. It's gonna be a good one today. Chris is uh, an improviser and a filmmaker and a cool, smart dude. And he is part of the Everything Now show, of which I've had Rocky Parahito and Sydney Rachel on. And if you're unfamiliar with this fucking rad improv internet comedy show, then let me give you the skinny d- dang guys. It's on Twitch. They do this improv show on Twitch now three times a week. Madness. Very, very rad dedication. Um, there are these two hour shows and they're interactive improv shows. Cutting edge. Cutting edge. Improv. Internet. It's, it's cool ass shit. It's oftentimes like just different formats. Um, for example, uh, someone will be playing a, a lift driver and uh, a couple of wacky characters may walk in if you uh, know what I'm saying. Um, so it's just like a lot of shenanigans and the interactivity with the chat I think is really like honestly groundbreaking and sick and it's just it's it's madness and it's really special and uh i really admire how hard everyone works at it uh and and chris is on there every every dang show truly crushing it uh i feel like i've learned a lot from him as an improviser um and also just am very inspired by that whole operation and i get to guest on there sometimes uh and 
I get to do improv, and it really, really warms my heart. Uh, and so we talk mostly about that and other stuff, including tomato juice. Ladies and gentlemen, you gotta give it up for the fantastic, the inimitable, the cool guy. Now it feels bad. Now I feel bad about the intro. Ladies and gentlemen, the show again! ask you to recap that exact amount of things but first we have to start okay chris <laughs> hey Mackin. hey what's going on good man um not much actually is what i meant to say not much is going on how's how's it going it's going all right we're diving right in you were in the middle of telling me an interesting thing about how you feel about incense i was i was just saying how because it smells very nice in here yeah i was just saying how growing up my mom claimed to be allergic to incense but i don't believe that that's actually a thing. Whoa. Maybe it is. And uh, we just never had it in the house growing up. Right. So because of that, even as an adult, I feel like I'm not allowed to have it in my home. Even right. though I am. It's just a psychological thing where I'm like, that's totally. not allowed. Yeah. She was also allergic to kiwi. I believe that one. That okay. one feels a lot more real. Yeah. And so even as an adult, I feel like I shouldn't have a kiwi in my right. home. You feel like you're hurting your mom if yeah. you have a... It's just a weird, like, I just need to keep reminding myself that I'm an adult is what I think it is. Because I was yeah. I was going to say, too, I was talking to my brother and I, I like, don't, it doesn't register for me that, like, I can legally rent a hotel room. <laughs> like, I'm 26 now. Right, of course. And I still will drive past a hotel and be like, oh, look at one of those things that, uh, yeah. like, adults Use. Yeah, I hope my mommy and daddy yeah. take me there. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I'd love to be brought to one of those. Too. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. We could rent an RV. Yeah, I, there's probably a psychological thing to that, but I don't need to get into it. Yeah, I know what you mean in terms of that. I feel like I'm trying to think of like shit that was off limits in my house. We had a, I had a pretty loose house growing up. Um, in terms of I like did too, other than those kind of small things. Yeah, kiwi incense. Everything the else. kiwi one, I felt like that's. That's legitimate. You're yeah. just allergic to the thing. Like, right. That's not a repressive yeah. instinct. Yeah. The incense thing, I was like, how, what do you mean you're allergic to just all incense smells? That feels like... Yeah. It feels like you just put it in your head one day that you don't like it. How did it come it. up? I feel like there was never even incense in my home. Well, so the other thing is my dad used to smoke weed in my house. So my <laughs> theory yeah. is that she was smelling that. And was like, that mm. smells terrible and I hate it. And maybe getting secondhand con like high off of it, maybe? Yeah. That's just maybe overanalyzing it. But yeah. maybe she was like, this makes me feel bad. And my dad was like, yeah, it's just incense. I don't know. Yeah, and yeah. Word. Maybe that created it. Yeah. I don't know. Do you do you feel like you're... Real Did you ever smoke weed with your parents, with your dad? My The way I started smoking weed is my brother got kicked out of college my older brother got kicked out of college is it just you guys and the sibling breakdown there's a sister above us both sister so above us both. my brother's four years older than me yeah my sister's five years older than him you're youngest of three i'm the youngest of I'm three. youngest of three as well Hell i have two yeah. older sisters wow okay word. yeah i had brother and a sister word um but my older brother got kicked out of college 
and he and never smoked weed all through high school and i was in the 10th grade at this point and i like pretty much never did my friends were starting to but i was like no i'm not interested yeah and then my brother was just home all the time for like a year and where where are you guys in the world at this point new york yeah yeah chelsea we're uh same house we grew up in where and uh we started stealing my dad's weed yeah and that was the way we started smoking weed is we we would find his stash yeah and then he actually started like I think he got wise to it and started just trying to hide it better and it became yeah. this little game that the three of us were playing in a very unspoken unsp- yeah, yeah. yeah and then finally he was like because i think he was waiting for i think he was probably smoking with my brother before he was with me because i was like 16 and yeah. i think he was like you should be a little older before you do and then eventually he was just like okay i don't get you're old enough and yeah. so the three of us would smoke together and like when i go back home the three of us smoke together and stuff. nice yeah it's very weird <laughs> it's very strange yeah. i've heard just i heard people talk about the experience of getting high with their parents as as weird yeah there's no like uh i can't imagine a positive experience <laughs> i can't imagine unless you have like a really repressed yeah. relationship or maybe and this is like and breaking it, yeah. down a lot of walls for you right but like my dad is just like a hippie guy anyway yeah so like it's not like there was some conversation, you know, it's not like right. there was something that emerged of like, oh, his his conservative guard has been let down. Or, yeah. and, you know, it's just like he's no, just telling have the a key same. Fuck yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just like he's just telling the same fucking stories, but he's right. like stoned now when he's doing right. him. So he's rem- yeah. he's not remembering the details as well. But it's like we've, you know, he was stoned yeah. all the time growing up. So it's doesn't it wasn't like a thing of like, oh, we're doing some different thing with my. Yeah. 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 I feel like I would get, I'm just imagining smoking weed with my mom, uh, and I feel like I would get extra guarded. Yeah, yeah. I was definitely super quiet in the beginning, but now it's almost become a thing where it's just like, I don't think about it anymore. I don't know. Yeah. You know, does that make sense? Totally. Like, I guess I don't think too much about, I guess maybe because like smoking weed is more like, newly socially acceptable yeah but like drinking with your parents is yeah like once you're in your like early seems like a rite of passage you're kind of just like oh yeah we're we're getting wine with dinner or whatever yeah it's not like oh i'm drinking with my parents kind of thing yeah totally yeah my family i think i don't think my dad does drink anymore now but i like i think he's just never once he started smoking weed, because he came from Lebanon, and yeah. I think they would maybe get hashish sometimes, but he wasn't yeah. really like... What is hashish? It's... Hmm. It's a good question. Yeah. It's some... It's like very concentrated weed in okay. some way. And it's like heat pressure in some way makes it like... And then you roll it up into these little like balls of clay almost, these tiny little things. Yeah. And you put it in like a cigarette. And so they would like roll up these cigarettes with like these little tiny hashish things. Sorry, I got to turn my phone off. Please keep and uh, this description. Yeah, he said he would do that sometimes. But like growing up in Lebanon, he would like he had a friend. <laughs> he had a friend roll a joint for him once, like with actual weed, which was like very rare. Or this was maybe when he was in Paris for uh, like college yeah. type program thing he did, and he called it a New York joint for some reason because of the way it was rolled like it was rolled skinny i don't know what it, i don't know what yeah th- it sounds so made up the way <laughs> but it was such a like lebanese guy who's like oh my god look at this thing yeah and 
I think he always kind of associated it to like New York. Yeah. In a way. Now, you know, he lived in New York for like 30 years. So I think as he became more and as weed became more of a thing and he started doing that more, he was just like, I don't really want to drink as much. And Word. he doesn't really. And my mom, I don't think she doesn't smoke. Definitely. But I don't think she drinks much either. Yeah. So that is kind of the thing in my family. Yeah. Word. Do you are you close with your folks? Are you close with your dad? Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Um, I'm pretty close with all four members of my immediate family. Nice. I, yeah, I, I'm. I think is good. I think yeah, it's good to have that. That's sick. I mean, yeah. I'm not everyone needs. I don't want to be like you need to, because like I know you're just people. talking about your own times. <laughs> yeah. I'm yeah. Just saying for me. Yeah. yeah I like yeah, yeah. that. I still speak to all four of them on pretty much a weekly basis. Whoa, that's yeah. sick. Yeah. Nice. Man, how you been? How, what's going on? What's on your heart and mind these days? Um, been all right. I've been trying to just do work stuff a lot now. Yeah, is my new thing. Yeah, especially now that can't really say COVID's over, but you can say that we're all just sort of we're all just sort of acting like that now. Yes. So now that this is the world. Now. Yeah, yeah. Now that it's just like I guess I'm. They're saying I gotta do it. Yeah. We'll just see if what happens. Yeah. So now I'm like trying to jump full force back into all that stuff. Yeah. So like doing everything now, obviously. Yeah. yeah. And that's been nice to have back. And then I just shot a movie that I had started right before COVID. <laughs> this is so sick. Yeah. Yeah. You were telling me a little bit about this project in your garage the other day. Yes. So I, we, me and two guys were shooting an improvised feature where we would like where's this idea come from like that's specifically so cool. john cassavetes he's just he's a director yeah who made a lot of movies with like peter falk and a couple other guys yeah and he would apparently they had this rolls royce because he was also like an actor he had a pretty established career and peter falk has doing a lot of stuff so they were like well off yeah but they would drive around in this rolls royce and just like steal shots all around Los Angeles. Yeah. And, like, film these scenes and then like run and film a new thing. And they would know, you know, the plot, but they yeah. would be kind of going scene by scene and feeling it out. How'd you get into this? How'd you find out about this? Um, hmm. That's a good question. I think because I'm an improviser and I yeah. like movies a lot, it was sort of natural that these two things would right. kind of meet at some point. Of course. My dad also really likes John Cassavetes while Word. we're on the subject of my family. Yeah. So I think that had something to do with it. Yeah. And uh, he makes some good movies, man. Yeah. <laughs> he really does. Uh, I want to know where improv starts in your heart and where movies starts in your heart. Where improv starts in my heart and where movies Okay. Improv first. Improv first. Where improv start? Improv, so interestingly, when I was first getting into comedy, which I would say was when I was like 12 or 13, like in earnest, obviously, you know, I had liked it, but I found improv to be horrifying and I wanted nothing to do with it. And I remember reading about like SNL people when I was in high school. Uh, I remember really liking Chris Farley and I remember yeah. being like, he rocks. And I was reading all the stuff he had done in Second City. And how he would improvise these shows. And, and mm. I remember just being like, I can't do that. Like, I'll I'll figure out a way to do comedy in some capacity. Right. But, like, I have to 
find a different route. Because right. like that's just gonna be bad, and I don't want to do that. Yeah. And there was this little improv theater next to my house that I was told there was always very good stuff at, and I was uh-huh. like, I will never ever go there. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, I was like, I will absolutely not. Of course, that theater was the Upright Citizens Brigade. What? Yeah. <laughs> and oh, it was shit. like, while like all these incredible people from you know 2005 up-and-coming comedians so they're yeah. now you know amy poehler all those people yeah. like tina fey everyone i don't know about tina fey but amy poehler and all those people yeah. were just in there andy daly all these people yeah just constantly yeah every week i could have just gone and seen him whoa for five bucks walk three blocks right. yeah and i was like no i don't want to do that <laughs> <laughs> right looking back as an adult being like whoa this shit that i'm like really yeah. into now yeah. i actually had a prime access to and yeah. i was like no <laughs> i'm good like, that sounds bad i'm not going near that Respect. So yeah i got to college and i met jake allen bogan who's yeah now. how'd you meet jake literally he walked up to me on the first day of college and like just started i don't know what his i think he was a non-film guy yeah but he was in the dorms with some film kids yeah and so his plan was on like the first day he like left his group's orientation thing. Yeah. And came to the film people's orientation thing and like clung to me and a few guys who yes. had befriended each other on the first day. And he was super into improv. And yeah. he was like, I'm going to go audition for the team and blah, blah, blah. And I remember I was like, he talked me into it that day. Yeah. Into just trying it. Because also in the back of your head, you're always like. I don't want to do this because I'm afraid of it. So in the back of your head, yeah. you're like, maybe I should do it. Maybe I should give it a try. Yeah. This is a, a guy with whom you would go on to start Everything Now show weekly. Yeah, I've been, twice I've been weekly. living with him for about seven years now. Yeah. <laughs> on and off. So yeah, Jake is going, this is the, the a big meeting. Yeah. <laughs> Jake and I. That uh, rules. We go, you know, we're, we're, we're getting in our heads like, yeah, let's go audition. I'm thinking about how it's going to go and everything. And it's the first week. So there's other guys around and it's improv ink auditions. And apparently the improv team there was like pretty significant. Which improv ink is the name of the team. Yes. That was the name of the team. And apparently they were very popular, which I didn't realize at the time. Hell so the yeah. auditions like hundreds of like or like over 100 people would attend. Yeah. So there's like a group of me, Jake and like four other guys. and. Because we all go get dinner at the cafeteria before we're going to go to the improv audition. And yeah. Because everyone's getting ready to go to the improv audition. They're all trying to be funny. <laughs> and so it's me and these and Jake and these four other guys. And what if the cereal is my freaking you, hair? Yeah, you can't get a fucking <laughs> word. It. You can't even just be like. Like before you can even react to something, somebody else is screaming something. People right. are doing impressions. Right. It was the most uncomfortable I've ever been. <laughs> and I'm looking at Jake and Jake's like credit to Jake. He's like going for it. He's he's engaging with these guys. Yeah. He's, he's doing some riffs. He's doing some bits. Right. And I am just sitting there in in agony. And I'm like Whoa. looking at Jake sometimes and I'm yeah. like, and and it doesn't matter that I'm not speaking because they don't. None of them care. They're all just trying to scream as much and as loudly as possible. For sure, so no one's even yeah. noticing that I'm sitting there wincing through this entire. And you're all meeting. already committed to going to this audition later. Yeah. Well, so we get out of the cafeteria, and I pull Jake aside, and I go, "I'm not going. Have fun. Good luck." 
Okay, my computer just crashed. It was really scary. And now we're back. We thought it was gone. We thought it was gone. Had some interesting chats about tomato juice. Yeah, we talked a lot about tomato juice so to keep us occupied. I do want to get back to the story about you auditioning for improv, but I do just, you said a lot of things about tomato juice, and I think tomato juice is gross. And it's, you think, think it's, it's disgusting? Weird. That yeah. was going to be my question to you. Had yeah. you not fixed the thing? <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't like tomato juice, and it seems to be like like I love a veggie juice. Mm-hmm. Like I love a green juice, okay. and I'm like into like if there's like a let if there's like a kale or even a chard, you know, something that like bitter I, and green. Before okay, well then the context is I was drinking tomato yeah. juice before I would get on airplanes because I would you. get really nauseous on airplanes yes. when I was flying a lot. And yeah. so it helped to have a bunch of tomato juice beforehand because it was a very mild thing to have in my stomach. And you would have tomato juice from your house? Before no, going I would to usually buy an overpriced can at the airport okay. and then drink one on the plane as well. Yeah. And I would otherwise have a very empty stomach. Right. And that made me feel less nauseous and anxious all the time. Right. And it did not occur to me ever that I should maybe just talk to a doctor about <laughs> this. I right. was like, I will create this tomato juice system <laughs> and, that to cure will, yeah, anxiety. and that will be my thing. Yeah. Um, but anyway, the yeah. point of that was to say prior to that invention, I, that, that system I yeah. created, I, I never drank tomato juice and I would have said the same thing. Interesting. That it's disgusting. Yeah. And I had a Bloody Mary kind of recently. Yeah. That set off a thing where I'm like, okay, this is actually, you know, I get it in this context. Right. Yeah. But if I'm not going on an airplane. Yeah. And I'm just walking around and I go, what drink do I want right now? I can't imagine I would ever say tomato juice. Right. Just being honest. Because yeah. it does sort of feel like more than a green juice a soup. that I'm drinking. Uh, yeah, yeah. That I'm drinking a soup. Yeah. That yeah, I'm just yeah, yeah. drinking a big bottle of soup. Yeah. Of like bland soup. too, Right. Like an un- not that flavored soup. Right. Yeah. And so. Good for if you need to get on a flight yes. and you're like, let me drink this whole bottle of soup, put something in my stomach. Right. Bad for any other reason, I'd say. I guess maybe I've never had plain tomato juice, but I love tomato soup. Mm-hmm. I love tomatoes in general. Mm-hmm. But when I have a V8, I'm like, this is the most disgusting thing I've ever had in my entire life. Yeah, I really hate the the V8 that has the fruit in it, too, where they try to Whoa. They're like, it's tomato juice, but we put a lot of like grape juice in here. And I'm like, that's Ugh. not helping this. Yeah. It's, you're not fixing your whatever you th- like. Yeah. There's a fundamental problem in your product and adding white grape juice to it is not going to solve. Yeah. That. Whoa. Wild. Yeah. I have a friend that only drinks tomato juice when she flies. And so this like relationship between tomato juice and planes that's is very blowing cool. my mind. Well, the other like thing is Bloody they Mary's a offer big it drink. on planes. Yeah. And that's weird because they, <laughs> they'll have like three drinks or like they'll have the sodas and then yeah. they'll be like, you can have apple juice, orange juice or tomato juice. And you're like, yeah. I didn't realize those were the big three. <laughs> tomato juice PR doing great. It validates it when you're on the plane. And you yeah. know, when you're on a plane, you're emotional, you're all in like yeah, a different yeah, yeah. state. And you hear that and you go, the other two are so ubiquitous in my life. Right. Maybe tomato juice was supposed to be there. Yeah. <laughs> And yeah. Maybe you get nervous and you go, I'll take the tomato juice because you're like, I right. want to I want to be like, I know that I know that tomato juice is one of the big three. Yeah, I guess it makes sense. Like, here's two sweet juices and then like a more of a soup. What's your favorite juice? Yeah. Oh, man. 
And I, I this doesn't have to be like a healthy juice. You yeah. can say like oh, you know, like a Welsh's yeah. grape juice. I feel thing. like I haven't had like a guava juice in a while. Okay. But I've oh that sounds real tasty mm. to me. There is a there's a chain all over New York called yeah. Gray's Papaya, Papaya Dog, Chelsea Papaya. Whoa. And they will do all these juices like mango juice, papaya juice, and guava. Yeah. yeah. And the guava one is so good. Fucking love guava yeah. juice. Thank you for indulging my tomato juice-based questions. Absolutely. Before... My, by the way, my answer... Yeah. There's one thing. Oh, my God. How rude. Well, Shitty host. <laughs> <laughs> That's my favorite juice. Anyways... <laughs> No, I want I want this to be both ways. We could talk about juice this whole time. Yeah, this doesn't just have to be what's up with Chris's life. This doesn't have to just do that. I'm but. a fucking locked box. <laughs> I will not be sharing one personal detail. No, I'm just joking around. Mine is, it's, I said, I hinted at it earlier when I said Welsh's. So my yeah. favorite uh, flavor pretty much is yeah. passion fruit. Passion fruit. And there's a Welsh's passion fruit juice yeah. that is cut. Because, you know, any of these juices is usually cut with, like, apple juice. It's, like, 50% apple really? juice. Really? Yeah, yeah. Wow. This one is cut with white grape juice, mm. which is another incredible juice. I don't think I've ever had white grape juice. White grape juice is really, really special. I mean, it's mm. so sweet. Yeah. And the older I've gotten, the more I'm, like, it's really getting tough to keep this down with, like, out being, yeah. like, I need to drink a whole glass of water now because of how sweet and sugary it is. Yeah. But the passion fruit juice from welsh's with the white grape i will put a ton of ice in it and it makes me feel like an old man where i'm like i need to water this down yeah but you yeah. drink it ice cold on like a hot day Ooh. nothing better yeah anyway so i'm i reject going to the improv team yeah i'm no longer trying out right. the improv team yeah jake tries doesn't get on yeah ironic yeah he will later go on to be president of that improv team Hell yeah. but that's future jake we don't know him yet Loving it. The next semester, Jake tries out. He does get on the team. I do not go. I'm still traumatized from the dinner. And I'm yeah. still saying, I don't need to do improv. There's another way to do it. Right. I've also since gone to an improv ink show. Yeah. And because I don't know anything about improv yet, I was completely baffled by it. Thought it was the greatest thing I'd ever seen. And was like, I could never do what these people are doing. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. Again, so ironic to think. I would then soon learn the very simple tricks they were doing and would go very not that impressive in hindsight. But when you don't know those very simple tricks, you watch it and you're just like, these guys are all psychics. They're wizards. Something's going on. They're talking in some way. Yeah. Very, very easy, actually. But <laughs> still, like, maybe one of my favorite things to see. Like, just yeah, it's yeah. so electric. Yeah, just, like, I mean, I'll never. Yeah. For me, I'm just so obsessed with it that it's yeah. like I could never. Even if I'm watching terrible improv, that will still be in its own way a thing I can yes. not necessarily enjoy, but like I will be fully engaged with. Yeah, you know, totally. Because I'm. It's just like my brain is constantly wanting to look at yeah. it and analyze it. So it yes. works out that way. Totally. But yeah, Jake and I move in together sophomore year with two other guys. We get a house off campus, the four of us. And he talks me into trying out for the improv team. Yeah. Coincidentally, I still maintain, I don't know what happened in this time. When the, the tryouts happen, usually there'd be like 120 kids at these things. Like there was huge, huge numbers for some of these yeah. auditions. 
when I went, there was like 35 people. Yeah. It was really bizarre. Yeah. Like, it was a very, very sparsely attended audition. Yeah. And my plan was to go again, that thing of don't be afraid of it. My plan was like, let me just go and not make a fool of myself. Yeah. Because if I'm trying to pursue comedy or whatever, then I don't need to necessarily get on the team, but I shouldn't like be noticeably bad in the room. Mm. Let's see if I can go and just like not be noticeably bad in the room. Mm. Any so, other performing up until this point ever? I took a one week acting class. Word. The summer between 10th and 11th grade. Yeah. Or like a three week. I don't know. It was not a very long program. Yeah. And wasn't very good. But I also took one year of drama in high school. Right. And I performed with a friend of mine who's on first, the Abbott and Costello. Word. And it crushed. Hell yeah. Because that is just a bulletproof comedy sketch. Hell yeah. If you don't know who's on first. That's crazy that you wouldn't know at this point. It's been so complete. It's been tortured to the point that I think people yeah. don't don't respect it anymore. Yeah. yeah. But man, you find a guy who's never heard the conceit of that sketch or yeah. any of the sketches that have spawned off of it of just like other wordplay thing going back and right. forth for five minutes. And you show somebody that sketch. That thing is bulletproof. Damn. That thing is Hall of Famer. Immediate. I don't think I've ever really like sat down seen the og like well that's what's well they also there is no like one because they oh, would okay. do it for like 30 years and they just Worth. knew the the rhythm of it but right. there's no like official script to it right um but it's also like because that joke is so in society right of, like who's on first what's on right. second yeah it's like you you almost don't get to appreciate it right totally but yeah. We just did it to a bunch of like, I went to an international school too. Yeah. So a lot of the people in the audience at this performance were like uh, parents who weren't even from the United States. Mm -hmm. And I also think wordplay jokes are great for immigrant humor. Like my dad loves. Really? Yeah. Because for him, you know, he knows like four languages and yeah. the, the miscommunications that come mm. from language barriers and stuff because yeah. you're you're living them in your day to day. Right. There's something that's very fun about seeing it like perform in a totally. way. Totally. So this Whoa, crushes about in that. this room. Hell like, yeah. And I'm playing uh Costello. I'm yeah. the like kind of not straight man, okay. which was very bizarre for me. Right. And it crushes in the room. And I yeah. do remember being like, that was really fun. I really did like yeah. that and had a good time. Yeah. So that was kind of, but I still think I thought I was just going to do, I think I thought I was going to be a comedy writer Yeah. at that point. Yeah. I don't think I really had acting ambition. What comedy was in your, like, were you fucking with at that point? Embarrassingly, I watched every single episode of Saturday Night Live through through high school. Hell yeah. I, I, there were these, like, abridged versions that were on Netflix because I think if there was, like, a music thing, they couldn't get right. it. So there was yeah. a lot. Some episodes were, like, 13 minutes long. And you right. were like, I wonder what the other hour of this was. <laughs> it's just completely gone. But yeah, totally. I watched, like, 1 to 40 over, yeah. like, three years while doing other stuff, you know. Fuck yeah. It wasn't just that. Like, it was, you know. <laughs> while doing yeah. other stuff. I was I had a lot of other. I was watching movies. <laughs> right, right, right. Like, I was kind of bouncing it up. But I did get through the whole but you thing. worked through the snl catalog yeah not just the what was on at the no, time i did one to 40 damn that rule 40 i don't know what it is i've stopped i three years ago yeah i stopped keeping up like yeah up until three years ago i had in, in a technical way seen, every, seen episode. every episode whoa and that is no longer true whoa yeah yeah 
And I think it was very freeing of me. Where I'm, I'm releasing myself from this. Yeah. I turned on Kanye West Ghost Town. I watched the episode. I saw the episode. And I said, I'm not going to play this. I'm yeah. done with this. Respect. And I felt a lot better about myself. Really? <laughs> kind of. What, what spawned it? It was just like. I think it was just like for years I wasn't enjoying it. Like when I was in high school, I really yeah. liked it because I just had a very. Hadn't got. I was very yeah. new to it all. Yeah. So it was very easy to impress me in a way. I think. Yeah. And I also like history a lot. So the right. context of watching episodes from the seventies and eighties and nineties. Yeah. I think that was doing a lot more for me than I realized. Right. And then I eventually just started to realize that like sketch comedy wasn't really my thing. Uh huh. And. I kept up because it was the thing yeah. and all the people and I read right. the book and Chris Farley, blah, blah, blah. But eventually I was just like, this isn't really my, I, I'm on an interactive live stream variety show where I do for all intents and purposes, sketch comedy. Now that I'm <laughs> thinking, thinking about it to myself. I'm right. saying like, I'm not really into the thing that I do professional, like semi-professionally now. Yeah. But Mine thing's different. It's not the same, but it is. I, yeah. Yeah. I was just realizing like, this isn't really for me, but I always wanted to keep up. But then I became a hate watch guy and mm -hmm. I don't like being hate anything. guy. Right. In general, I yeah. think like I hate a lot of things, but I don't yeah. like spending energy hating things. Does that yeah. make sense? That totally makes sense. Like, That's like a mature. I feel like I have a very negative opinion about it. A whole mess of things. Yeah. But I don't want to be like a grump. I don't want to be a curmudgeon. I don't want to be a guy yeah. who's because at a certain point, it's like to talk about it this much. It's right. like you like talking about it. Right. That's the thing that brings you joy. Is yeah, talking totally. About things you hate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't want to be that guy. Hell so yeah. I've made more effort to just be like, I'm going to spend my energy and effort on things that I like. And right. And just ignore the things that I hate. Totally. So SNL is ignored now. <laughs> Respect. <laughs> So you're going into the audition, the improv audition itself? Mm -hmm. I go in, try not to make an ass of myself, 35 people there, and it goes fine. Yeah. I, I, I don't remember being like, I fucking crushed the, oh my God. But I do remember being like, some people there were way worse than me. Like, yeah. I remember that specific. The more someone would, like... Each guy that would go up and just do something completely wrong, yeah, I would be like, oh, I wouldn't have done that. And I yeah. had I had that breath, yeah, like okay, okay, that guy's worse than me. Oh, sorry, I just knocked. The, you're all good. You're all good. Not messing with the quality. Nah, you're chilling. I would be like, that guy's worse than me. That guy's gonna be worse than me. And I didn't see anyone in the room. I, yeah. There was this one guy who was like a senior who was trying out and was friends with people on the team, and he yeah. was very naturally funny. Mm. And I remember being like, a like, okay, that guy is me. But no one else in the room, I felt like I was like, oh, I shouldn't. You know, like, it was just going well. Like, I was just like, oh, I can feel comfortable in here. Yeah. I relate to that a lot in terms of, like, not wanting to be a hate guy. And, like, I just mean, I feel like I, like, I struggle with self-confidence a lot. But a lot of times, my self-confidence will show up in terms of, I'm better than that guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you kind of like, yeah, again, it's like you don't want to only measure yourself right, against exactly. other people. Yeah. But there is something just very real and yeah. in the real world about comparing yourself to others. It's yeah. not 
the healthiest way to go about right. it. Yeah. But there's something tangible about it that makes it feel there's yeah. a reason you're drawn to it as right. opposed to just being like, well, here's what I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I do think you should only be trying to like prove it to yourself or whatever. Yeah. But it it is good to know what the cl the climate is. And like yeah. how often, you know, living out in LA, do you meet someone where you're like you know, I kind of like, yeah. and maybe if they had like, were reading some other people's stuff and seeing how it was like similar or different to theirs, maybe yeah. they'd be like, I either need to work a lot harder or right. like figure right. out a new thing. Yeah. So I do think yeah, there is something to it. I don't think it's necessarily being a hater and I don't think it's necessarily being like, yeah, other people's opinions is the only thing that counts. Kind of yeah, thing. totally. Sometimes it's just like that. I'm like, OK, so I do believe in myself on some level. Yeah. Let me start there and like figure out what I especially if like a person that I think that I can do better at whatever at and they're like doing better in their career as a thing. I'm just Yeah, like, well that is always <laughs> that one and get like I don't know. That that yeah. is easy for me to be like it is not a meritocracy. Right. So you just can't yeah. get <laughs> caught up in that. Yeah. You know. Yeah. But sometimes that will be my only way into like believing in myself. Yeah. I'm just like, look at this dumb idiot doing it. <laughs> you know? Look at this asshole. Yeah. I could do that. <laughs> I'm as much of an asshole as that guy. Yeah. How did the so that audition went well? So it goes it goes fine. And I go home and I'm thinking like I could have gotten a call back. Who knows? And Jake yeah. runs home and he tells me I did get a call back. And the way he says it was for the viewers at home who don't know what I look like, a lot of people say I look a lot like Andrew Garfield. And so the way he says it was Chris Chalakian did not get a call back for the team. And I was like, that's okay. And I'm doing my whole, it's okay. You know, I had fun, whatever. I right. And he goes, uh, but look who did. And he shows me the board where they've written writing down the names of the people. Yeah. And it just says Andrew Garfield because they yeah! all, my long Armenian last name was too complicated. They all saw this guy and they were like, that's the guy who looks like Spider-Man. Yeah. And that's who I became to them. Word. So that was how I found out. So I'm like, oh, this is so cool. I'm getting yeah. a call back. And then nice. I have this immediate fear of like, fuck, okay, I can't be the worst guy at the callback. Right. Again, that's the goal. Yeah. There's going to be 10 people there. Don't be don't be 10. Yeah. Don't be number 10. Don't got to be number one or even number five. You just cannot. You can be number nine or eight. And yeah, eight. You can honestly feel OK about <laughs> just do not be number 10. Yeah. One guy doesn't show up. So there's just nine of us at this callback, which is, again, extremely low number. But it's like it was not. A, it was a very weirdly sparsely attended audition. Not a lot mm -hmm. of really, you know, good people. One of the people at this callback is. Everything now is Rocky Pajarito. Yeah. He was also auditioning with me. And we actually have like a few scenes together in the callback, weirdly. Rocky and I. Hell yeah. Probably my best scene was with Rocky. Damn. And uh, again, the callback's going like weirdly good. I'm feeling like the callback's going good means some of these people they call back are doing really bad. And I'm like, what the hell? Like, I wouldn't do it. Like, wait a minute. What's going on right now? Like, yeah. Am I doing like, I, 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 by midway through, I was like, oh, I'm not number 10. This is great. And then like, by the end, I was like, wow, that actually went pretty good. Hell yeah. So I go home and I do get on the team. It's me, Rocky and one other guy. Yeah. And I was on the, I, I did high school improv with, yes. with Rocky. Yes. That's like, how we kind of know. It people. just feels weird to not mention that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Rocky is, that's the context 
yeah. we need for Rocky. Hell yeah. So yeah, then I get on the team and I was like terrified and Rocky and I were both super nervous, but it was nice kind of having each other there, like yeah. both being the new guys. Um, and I just got like super, super invested in it. Like I started to realize, you know, as I'm realizing like I don't really like sketch and stuff, I'm realizing mm -hmm. I do really love improv. Yeah. And I like film, you know, I'm at school for film. Yeah. But I'm also realizing like the immediacy of improv is just in especially being like a 20 year old who like I can yeah. make short films and I was making short films. Right. But I was like. What I can do as a 20 year old college student with no money yeah. in film is much less fulfilling and satisfying as what right. I can do on an improv stage. Yeah, because it's no budget required. You know, it's like. Yeah. So I was trying to film is maybe the most time. Yeah. And money and like other people delayed gratification yeah. relying on other people all that yeah. stuff and like i do love you know i still think to my core like comedic feature film is the thing yeah i know best Whoa, and like yeah. i love the most and it is unfortunately kind of a dead art form it's weird how there's not like Anyways, yeah, there's yeah. just no I mean, I'm sure it's not it's not dead like it's on streaming services now instead yeah. of theaters, but like I really love we can talk about it. We can get I'm, into I'm, I'm super <laughs> down for all of it, but I yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but I'm like falling in love with improv. Right? Yeah. And so then I'm also realizing, hey, the main theater I go, they take me to see shitty jobs. This is improv show yeah, at yeah, UCB yeah. in LA. Hell yeah. With uh, the Derek Comedy guys, Sean Clemens, uh, Ben Rogers. I forgot Damn. who else was on the team. I didn't know they were all on that team. Ben Schwartz was on the team at the time, too, when Hell we first yeah. went. Um, and it's so good. And yeah. we go see this show, and it's like not good in the way of like when I went and saw the Improv Inc. show and I just didn't understand the rules of improv. Right. This is like I'm learning, and no offense to. I, I'm sure they the improv inc people wouldn't be offended to say like these guys were better than them as they were 21 year olds or whatever doing a college yeah, yeah, yeah. but they were good in a way of you were like wow I actually kind of understand improv now and like I could never in a million years right conceptualize how they were that smart how they were that communicative right. how they were that natural with each other yeah like even knowing the mechanics a little bit yeah like, like how they were the that fuck? funny their idea yeah. generation is just so strong their confidence on stage yeah like, you know it's you're just blown away yeah so i see that and i'm like wow that's that theater that's been right next to my house the whole time <laughs> huh? and i yeah. feel really dumb but i swallow my pride and junior year Summer between junior and senior year, I take my first UCB improv class. Yeah, hell yeah. And that goes really well. In hindsight, it goes really well because I had two years of college improv under my belt. Yeah. That they had kind of been teaching out of the UCB book. Right. The, the presidents of the team. Yeah. So I was like, like, I was getting those classes already in a way. So right. I went into the classes kind of like overprepared. Right. And that ironically i didn't sort of realize that i was kind of just like wow i'm doing really well here yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> but i think it gave me a lot of confidence as a performer right because i could get laughs and i could do the right moves and i could yeah. feel confident about what was going on on stage Hell and yeah. it was cross-validating where i did well at ucb so i could go back to the improv yeah and be like yeah I, I just did it there and the teachers confirmed i knew whatever yeah so then i nice. take my 201 class and my 301 class senior year Hell i'm yeah. like driving up to la and taking it 
and I'm getting really into the team. I'm getting like too into the improv team too. Like I'm becoming one of those guys. It's like, we need to work harder on this or whatever. Yeah, and half yeah, the yeah. people are just like, I'm never going to do improv when I like, if I'm not in this room, I will never even consider improv as a thing to cross my mind. And I would, I was like, fuck, but what, <laughs> what if we all really cared about it? Yeah. Just like that. I relate to a yeah. lot. Yeah. And I, you know, it totally so, so fair of them. Just right. so reasonable. <laughs> just so valid just please like, care about why this why would i i have things i care about yeah. there are things that require <laughs> my time and energy and i was like yeah could, what about what if it was this thing huh yeah and so i wanted even more i was like I, we started an improv team right out of school like a, a smaller group of us like nice formed you know people who did want to keep pursuing it and we were doing shows and I was taking the advanced level classes and I was doing the work study program at UCB where I was mopping up the bathrooms in exchange for free classes and all this stuff. Fuck yeah. And then the pandemic hit before I took pretty much any of those classes I had worked up. So I kind of just did dozens of unpaid hours of labor for UCB theater before they went away. What? Yeah, it's sort of a... Just bad timing, I would say. Yeah. But also, I could send an email and ask how it works, and I don't. And so, in the end, it's kind of on me, isn't right. it? Yeah. Um, but that, that's tough, man. That's what... Yeah, I think they still technically have, like, online classes and stuff. So yeah. Technically, I still have five free credits, but I can't right. imagine I'm using them anytime soon. I don't know. Um, yeah. But yeah, so then that's happening. And then Alsip, the last member of the Everything Now show we haven't referenced yet, yeah. Alex Alsip, uh, who was on the improv team, he starts everything now yeah and at this point i'm in new york for a little bit working on a uh, i'm a pa on john wick three office pa so and i'm doing the night shift <laughs> at the production office for john wick three hell yeah which is in the heart of Times square this production office Whoa. inexplicably and the guy who runs the building really takes a liking to me in a way that i'm i was like never quite clear on what our dynamic was <laughs> but i would go there from 3 p.m to 3 a.m yeah that was that was my shift Whoa. and everyone would go home at six seven maybe eight yeah. if they were working a long time so the second half of my day is just me wandering around a large office space fully alone Whoa! waiting for like a 1 45 a.m text message from a guy being like i have a folder downstairs <laughs> and i would go down the elevator say hi to the guy in the front and i would go up to this transport van and the guy would be like here's this folder and go have a good night I would take the folder back up. I would sit there for another hour and then I would go home. What is in this folder that's showing up in the middle of the night? Nothing that couldn't be emailed. <laughs> I, will, I will always maintain like right. really having worked on big budget movies. It's uh -huh. so, so, so like, you know, they'll say, oh, you waste a lot of money on sets or whatever. But like, it is truly shocking how much money gets wasted just yeah. for the sake of like, it'll slow it down to try to find the smarter way to do this or right. right. You know, it's just like, let's just find a guy to pay minimum wage and make him sit in an office. For yeah. hours. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but so anyway, I'm Whoa. sitting in this yeah. office all night watching a lot of Bergman movies and having very existentially. What are Bergman movies? Ingmar Bergman. I know very little about. Okay. Them, but I'm, cool, cool. I'm excited. Ingmar Bergman is like a it. Swedish director. Yeah. From like the fifties, forties through seventies, eighties, even. I think he died in like 2002 but anyway he makes this the bleakest most sad just 
grim movies. Yeah. About the human condition mostly. And Word. Also just like tons of psychological traumas and things like that. Mm -hmm. Really intense, emotionally draining, hard to watch movies. You're watching at 2 a.m. in Times yeah. Square. Yeah. <laughs> Every in night. A, in a big office. And I'm like, re yeah. I actually find something about them very hopeful but Hell yeah. it's a, it's like kind of hard to explain but no i get that i was watching all these i think compensating for working on john wick 3 which hey look keanu's a great guy we all love him we're all having a good time i'm not a lame guy i'm here i'm hip everything's cool i did not enjoy the experience of working on that movie i uh -huh. found it to be i had just come off working on an adam mckay movie uh -huh. vice the one about dick whoa Chaney. yeah 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 and i was feeling very like cool like i was yeah. feeling like i'm working with directors i like on movies that i if i hadn't seen the final cut of it i was like on movies i think are very good and right and are very important messages and yeah you know now i'm working on john wick 3 where it's just yeah. kind of the message is gun go bang and i'm like it's kind of tougher to mm -hmm. feel like i'm like happy doing this thing you know what right. i mean even though it was still cool but it was just like it's kind of the mundane reality started to set in. So yeah. I think I started watching these high art movies or whatever to uh -huh. compensate. But anyway, that, that's yeah. a huge aside to get to. Yeah. I'm in New York sitting in an office all night alone and yeah. also starts streaming the Everything Now show as yeah. like Facebook live videos. Wow. And the audience is basically me and Jake and the show is him and Rocky. Wow. And me and Jake and like two other people like I think Alsip's mom is in the chat for a lot of it too fuck yeah and I'm having the best time I'm yeah. laughing so hard I'm finding it so fun what and was the early incarnation of the show like Alsip played this guy named oh I always forget his name Radic Al he played Radic Al <laughs> and his cousin Russell was Rocky. Yeah. It's like at the engineer desk and also would wear all black. And it was like an artistic voyage through space and time. And it would be these very like loose kind of Dadaist comedy pieces. I remember one of the earliest things is they, you remember when Kanye released that song that was just like poop, scoop, poop, diddy, scoop, scoop thing. Very vaguely. They I'm embarrassingly ignorant about Kanye. Italian Google Translate. And just like played it in silence for three minutes. My favorite bit <laughs> was just intermittently through like one of the, the episode would be on. And then very suddenly they would just go like, all right, it's time for kiss, kill, keep. And they would pull out an object and they would have the chat vote. Are we going to kiss this object? Are we going to kill this object? Are we going to keep this object? Yeah. And if you kissed it, he would kiss it. And if you killed it, he would just break it, destroy it with a hammer or something. <laughs> and if you kept it, he would just like put it back and be yeah. like, now it stays there. Yeah. And it was so fun. I yeah. Know, it was such a good time. And Spontaneous, we were, absurd, interactive. Yeah, we had both just read, Alsip and I, prior to him starting this, we were talking about, there's this book called Improv Nation by Sam Wasson. Okay. That's like the history of American improv comedy, kind oh. of starting with Viola Spolin's classes in the 30s and 40s. She was this woman who would run like daycares for immigrants' children, mm -hmm. and she invented these kind of improv games to like, help them all communicate with each other because yeah. they would all speak different languages that rules. and her son yeah took it to university of chicago and turned it into like an art form mm. and that the the descendants of that became mike nichols elaine may del close who mm. would go on to start what we know as modern day i mean not he wouldn't go on to start it but these are the people who form the like 
early improv teams around Whoa. America, yeah, which were like on college campuses in the fifties and sixties, and then some like community theaters. And then you know, obviously, Nichols and May took off and had this huge, huge career, and and Del Close doesn't take off and have a career, but he's starting it you know new teams and continuing the art form he finds this guy ted flicker uh i think his name theodore flicker and he's the one who kind of is like this is very funny and this can have a very strong like comedic purpose because it was still kind mm. of like a new wave art form oh interesting yeah like was early it specifically on, comedy it, there was a lot of comedy yeah they weren't shying away from it but right. it was supposed to feel like like an experimental art piece almost Whoa. yeah and the improv was very funny because the earliest versions of the improv, they would actually, they, they would do a, a scripted first half. Yeah. Whoa. And then they would ask the audience for words. And they would write a bunch of the words down. And then they would go backstage and have like five minutes to write the second half. But they would still kind of write the scenes. Yeah. Just like very quickly say some bullet points to each other about how it should go based on these words, then they would run out and perform it. But it's not like it is now where you just get the word and then you're all standing on stage together and you just start going. They would literally run backstage and try to like concoct an idea. Yeah. Damn. But this Flickr guy, I think it's Flickr. I think so. He was the one who was like, let's turn this into kind of what it is today. Yeah. And then Del Close taught all these people who like Del Close taught the UCB people. Right, he right. taught, uh, he was part of the reason that uh, Second City opened, mm -hmm. I.O., all these things. He's the only one that you've mentioned that I'm semi-aware of. That's, really? That's sick how much history you know of it. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've, I mean, I like history. I yeah. like comedy. Like, it's just natural. This That's is where I'm, this yeah. is where I'm, like, everything's meeting. Um, But what, where were we? You're, uh, you're watching, you're in New York, and yes, you're watching yes. so the early incarnation. And I read this book and yeah. we're so inspired by it. Yeah. And we're having this conversation yeah. about like, what is, what's the next thing? How does this work? Cause you know, the book yeah. leaves off very much like, and this history is still being written. Like, we'll see where it goes from here. Fuck yeah. So we're like, not thinking of ourselves in this grandiose way of like, let's be the next chapter of the book. But we are like, yeah. what is the next chapter of the book? And right. like, can we be doing that improv? Can we like yeah. kind of get there? when it's happening right. rather than kind of wait because it feel being at ucb in 2018 felt like you were kind of yeah. 10 years too late or whatever totally you know what i mean absolutely and so we were like you know we don't want to just wait to hear what the thing we should have been doing was like let's try to right. figure out what's the thing we're supposed to be doing right and that's insightful and cool yeah and then also did like i don't take any credit for the actual concoction of the show because i also, and I have this conversation, we, we make no plan of action. We, we literally just talk about that. Yeah. And like, yeah, it'd be cool. Week later, that pops up. Also yeah. figures that out. So that really was what he took from that became the Everything Now show. Yeah. I'm still in New York. Then I come back to L.A. I'm like doing Everything Now sometimes, but I kind of don't want to commit to it fully because I find the online of it yeah really frustrating for me uh-huh because part of what i love about improv is like that i can tag people out into new scenes and that i can say we're in a spaceship and i can blah right. blah and you can do that right with, with our show we've certainly gotten a lot better at the ability to do that with our uh -huh. show but it it is different 
it's undeniably like you have your background like it's it's a lot closer to mono scene which mm-hmm. is a style of improv it's like mm-hmm. a form and i was always frustrated by that scene because you're in one place yeah it's right. also you you have to have a very strong character and i mm-hmm. have very weak characters especially before doing this show i had a re- i had like a, a genuine phobia of doing characters like i would need to do every scene as myself and teachers everyone constantly was just like you have to really yeah Whoa. It was my big note. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. All through UCB, I would always get like, "You understand game perfectly. You're doing great straight man work. Your your listening is top notch. Blah blah blah. You need to have emotional reactions and you need to play characters because Whoa. like you're not acting on stage. You know, like mm-hmm. this is the important parts of it. Yeah, and I still need to get better. I'm like still kind of working my way over to it. Um. But so I'm like resistant to it. I'm trying to stay at UCB. I'm working for for free or for the classes or whatever. Yeah. I'm taking all these extra classes. I'm joining indie improv teams that are disappearing after a month and then joining a new one. And then, yeah, you, know. you remember any of the names of the indie teams that disappeared? I'm still technically on an all Armenian improv team called the Landlords. Hell, yeah, hell yeah. We might have to change the landlord. We've always talked about changing the landlord's name, but um. I don't remember the other ones because they were so brief and non-existent. Yeah. Um, but I was just like, I was just going to random people's fucking houses and we would call a coach over and pay him $60 to yeah. watch us do improv for two hours. You yeah. know, like I was doing all that for years to like really like, I don't want to say years and years, like a couple of years, three years maybe. But putting in a lot of work and getting yeah. a lot of practice, it sounds like. Yeah. It's Which I sick. do see its benefit now, but I was also like totally spinning my tires. I was getting like, it was not going well. Like I would be feeling good in the classes and stuff. And I mm-hmm. felt like, you know, I feel like I'm supposed to be here in terms of the quality of my work feels like it's mm-hmm. good enough, you know? But I didn't feel like I was having any kind of material success to cling to that would make me feel like like I would get callbacks to the auditions when I first started going, which was like a huge deal, much more than like an improv ink numbers. Like it was hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people audition. Yeah. And like very few get called back. And I was like very excited on that. But then the callbacks stopped coming, which I interpreted probably falsely as like, ooh, they've seen me and decided to, you know, they don't want me or whatever. And then eventually I kind of got over that and I realized like, no, you just have to be here a long time. If you like improv, you're just going to do shitty improv in bad rooms for decades and decades. You know, like that's just part of the whole thing. Mm -hmm. And I got a lot more comfortable in that. And I was really actually starting to feel like I was making inroads and I had the Armenian improv team and I was meeting people there and i felt like i was kind of becoming a person that people around the theater were vaguely aware of kind yeah. of thing which i thought was the first step to feeling more in the community aspect of uh-huh. it and then boom of course COVID hits right i was the last ever ucb work study student of the month whoa yes i was given i was supposed to get a month of free coffee yeah never happened damn it was COVID. yeah Venmo request, Matt Passer. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's how inconveniently timed that was. Right. Right. In terms of like, yeah, I felt like, like I was really just about yeah. n- feeling in the community. Again, not yeah. of like, oh, I'm about to get on these teams or whatever, but it's just like I felt less sort of alienated there, which right. I think is big for yeah. moving forward in it. It's been a lot of time and effort yeah. laying a lot of groundwork. Yeah. And I yeah. had since joined everything now. Yeah. Because I was like, 
my friends do a really cool and good show. And I think I lived in the house it was in. So I was like, why wouldn't I be in it? Hell yeah. It was hard in the beginning, especially. I was so not, again, like it's so character oriented. It's so like, I was just not feeling comfortable out there for honestly, I think a long time. Word. (laughs) But fascinating. uh, Especially once, you know, COVID hit. And even though we were barely, we were in and out during COVID so much with our show, even I really started to like fully kind of get on board with what's going on here. And the more comfortable I got with it, the more I could feel like I should be there. If that makes sense. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and now I can, I can feel like a lot more comfortable doing characters and stuff. And I, and I would love to get back to the pre COVID. Like I wish I could go back to some of those indie shows and all those things now that I was doing then, because yeah. I do feel like now it would be very different. Mm-hmm. I feel like a lot, more like refined as an improviser in a way but also i think i've maybe picked up a lot of bad habits from just doing it with my friends in our specific show Mm. and i don't know so i'd be very curious to like even just get back into like an in per i don't know when if such a thing would ever exist right yeah one of those classes with one of those teachers i had Mm -hmm. i could do one of them again now right to yeah 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 see and then also like be reminded of fundamentals and stuff because being in this thing you get so in your own thing mm-hmm. yeah man that's fascinating to hear i also really identified with when you said you were doing the show the other night and uh you were saying like you were like can someone you're like you were like i feel uncomfortable being up here by myself I don't do stand up. Yeah. And then like you were like even and then I think Grant came on to the uh to the screen and was just sitting there and you're like even you just sitting there. And now yeah. it's like cuz if I'm by myself and it's like they don't like this it's like they don't like me. <laughs> but if you're here it's like they don't like us and like we're then we were together at least. And I was just like, "Whoa." Absolutely. That I mean that, that was a huge thing of what drew me to improv yeah. over stand up and stuff. I mean the the big thing is like Stand-up has just never quite hit for me. I mean, it did. Like, when I was young, I used to like stand-up and stuff. But I just, I feel like stand-up is a lot harder to work for me because once you figure out that formula, there's Mm kind of no spontaneity to it. Mm -hmm. So you're just kind of waiting for setup and punchline to play out. Mm -hmm. And it becomes a little robotic. And it becomes a little... Like... I don't know how to explain what I mean here, but it you, you it just starts to all feel the same, which is ironic because that's what they say about improv. Is mm-hmm. It's like you just figure out how improv works and you're just watching people do these paint by number improv scenes and they all just start to feel like the same scene that takes place in a kitchen where the word is pineapple or whatever. But I honestly feel that yeah. with stand up. Like, yeah. I start to feel like it's the same setup of like something about my job. Right. A way I feel mistreated by an authority figure in my life. Uh-huh. You know, you, you start to get these little like the safe things the audiences will like. And then there are there are people who can dance around it and have fun. Like I just saw Rory Scovel do a, yeah. a live show where he kind of improvised and riffed as he went through. That's cool. And again, it just it had that effect. Yeah. Like, he doesn't know where he's going. I don't know where he's going. We're all kind of. We're watching his brain work together. Yeah. Like, there's some fun in that. Unreal. That's what I love about improv foremost, I think. Right. The other thing, though, is I've never been a guy who, like, wants to be the center of the room. 
I want to be like part of it. You know what right. I mean? Yeah. And so, you know, my favorite improviser is Sean Clements from Shitty Jobs. Dude. And Same. Yeah. yeah. And I listened to an interview of his once. I don't know what it was or what. I don't know. I don't. This was just when I was in like a YouTube wormhole yeah. or something with, with his name. And he said he was like, I never felt like I was very funny on my own. I felt like I was very funny in reaction to things mm. like from a very young age. Like I couldn't just stand there and make a bunch of people laugh. But like I could make situations funnier mm. for my involvement in them. Yeah. And that was something I always felt as well. Mm -hmm. So for me, I was like, I think also my older brother and I were very close all through growing up and we used to riff and do bits and stuff mm -hmm. all the time. So I always felt like more comfortable doing setups and, you know, things like that. Yeah. Um, so for me, it was a lot more comfortable. It was like a lot more like what I wanted to be doing. You know what yeah. I mean? And I think part of it is it's a lot more fun to do it with another person. I think it's kind of like, there's an additional layer of that that magic kind of thing that I'm talking about where yeah. you're like, I'm not in that person's head. They're not in my head. And yeah. we are going to communicate something to each other right yeah. now. And like, there's nothing that feels from, I don't know, but there's nothing. <laughs> it's a very cool feeling for me when I'm doing an improv scene mm -hmm. and I say something and I go, I really hope they know what to say next to this. Like, mm. I'm going to say something not funny. But if they say this thing, it will be very funny. Mm -hmm. And then they do. Yeah. And there's that unspoken thing of we right. we wrote that together just now without saying yeah, something to yeah, each yeah, other. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, to me, I don't know how you create that feeling in stand-up. Right. Because in stand-up, it's like, I just wrote something funny and they all laughed at it. This is like, right. I just wrote something funny just now in this moment with this guy and they all laughed at it. Yeah. So you're, you're getting all of that, but you also have this feeling on the stage itself yeah. of like something, something ephemeral. Yeah. You know, some mystical is happening here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That fucking rolls. Man, it like is straight like getting to do the everything now show like is such a an honor and a joy for me dude we and love like, having you on man i i just i feel like i'm still such a novice improviser and i like learned so much from you guys and like this also feels weird to say from a place of like massive inexperience but just like getting to watch you think i'm the best one <laughs> <laughs> i mainly think the other guys are really bad <laughs> but watching you over the course of a few years uh perform on that show like i feel like you've always been crushing and very funny but like it is also really cool i feel like i feel like and i don't have i feel like a strong comedic voice so it's it sounds like, weird to say wrote, from this angle did probably the best bit that's ever been on on the show which is the meatloaf song <laughs> We've never forgotten it. We sing it constantly. Thank you. You still probably have the joke of the show. So thank you very much. <laughs> My thing that I want to say here is that it's like just watching you refine your comedic voice has been like really inspiring and cool. Thank you, man. And it's just it's like it's not that it wasn't like yeah I know strong up I know top, but just really like I really feel like it's uh. Like, I'm witnessing, I'm like, whoa, this guy really, like, has a really strong comedic voice. Thanks, man. Yeah, I mean, that's, like, the most fun thing you know, about. I feel like that's what's so really great about all art forms is just, like, watching it 
maybe it's with anything like sports and stuff like maybe maybe you can say this with any craft or anything it's just like as you get better and better and better at it like you feel this overall growth within you Mm. and like that is very it's almost like it's like a self-catalyzing thing where like the more yeah. you feel you're getting something out of it, the more you want to give something to it. Yeah. It's like snowballs and snowballs and snowballs. Yeah. And yeah, thinking about like sophomore year of college, Chris doing any kind of comedy versus yeah. me doing it now. It's like, it's crazy how, yeah. how different it is. And I can say that without being like, oh, I'm hot shit or whatever. But it's it's literally just going like, I can just tell mm-hmm. noticeable growth. Like, I can see things in my own stuff that's different now. Yeah. And like, it I sounds like, like you've worked really hard at it. Yeah. Which I've, is really fucking cool. Yeah. It didn't feel that way until like, I actually was remarking on that. The other big thing that has changed my perspective in a lot of things was my house burning down six months ago. <laughs> Was that that not funny, but like, (laughs) I guess a shocking true thing that just happened to you. (laughs) It like really did radically there. It really feels I'm sure most people have this with COVID to the same degree. Yeah, I have it somewhat. But I really live like a pre and post fire life now. You know, like I think about so many things in terms. And that was also during COVID. Yeah, it was seven months ago. Yeah, that that was October 2021. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So. Going into the winter, which was like, oh, it's a higher alert yeah. COVID time. So we thought we had lost the show for a little bit. Really? Yeah. I mean, now it's back, but like there Cause was... Because the show was being... That house seemed like it was set up for doing yeah. the show. Yeah, and all the tech and stuff and all yeah. the costumes and everything. And yeah. like, our house didn't get a lot of fire damage. We got a ton of water damage. Luckily, the firemen put these tarps in and we were able to raise some money on GoFundMe that actually like literally was the difference between the show existing or not that's um that's fucking beautiful and yeah. sick yeah but when we thought it for a moment when we thought the show was gone you know like i it was it's just that thing of like you don't realize what you have until it's gone kind of thing you know yeah. and like i just started to realize that like i had this place to be working on this I yeah had this place. me and my friends we created the show we had our yeah. own schedules we had there was no like permission we needed from P- other than i guess like the streaming platform of twitch but like we really had a uniquely, excuse me, I burped. It's all good. We really had a uniquely, uh, self run yeah. thing. Yeah. Like, we really were our own bosses, like, yeah. in a kind of silly way. Yeah. And Which to me is the most punk rock thing ever. It's yeah. So yeah. sick. Like, see how hard you guys work at it and just, yeah, that you like made this thing. Yeah. And then fucking crush so much of it. And then and then yeah. also the other thing I was like completely blown away by, because, you know, when I was doing these indie shows, the audience is the other teams waiting to go up. Right. Mm-hmm. And there's like a competitive energy in the room about laughing and stuff. And it feels very weird. Mm-hmm. And we had like people who would watch us every week, like like we had like a dozen like diehard fans really who were yeah. like engaging with us and like watching our show regularly and like yeah. we had mods and like we you know we had all this stuff that like I maybe never would have gotten if I had just kept doing UCB kind of thing you know like mm-hmm. I maybe never would have actually developed people who kind of like and care about me and my group of friends you know yeah. what I mean and like are actively rooting for us and right. like that is a very powerful thing to have yeah. and like 
since I've been doing the show coming back, yeah. I felt a lot of our show, obviously, we need to because we can't afford to do that. Like, you know, we're all doing this in service of the hopes that we can do this for money. Like, yeah. you know, we make some money on the show. We make enough money on the show now that it pays for itself and, and a little more. Hell but, yeah. You know, the goal has always been like, can we do this for our work? Yeah. Like, even if it's temporarily, even if we're not making tons of money, like, yeah. It would allow us to really feel like, you know, we're full time yeah. comedians. And that's really the goal here, right? Yeah. And uh, we would sometimes get so kind of caught up in the run of that. Mm hmm. But coming back into it now, I've been so much more like, of course, we do need that. Mm -hmm. But like. Each individual episode is such a special moment for me now. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? It's just like these people are tuning in to see us so flattering, so sweet mm -hmm. that they're actually seeking us out. Yeah. No, no one has told them to watch us. You yeah. Know what I mean? Like, yeah, there is no social construct that is making us seem more popular. Like. Right. It's, it's actually kind of like a vulnerable thing to be a fan of something of our degree, I think. Especially mm. some of the people who've been watching us for three years now or whatever. Yeah. Like when they were one of five people in the chat or whatever. Right. Like that takes an incredible amount of bravery, I think, in a weird yeah, way. Yeah, totally. Because you're not just being like... No I one's need... telling me to like this. Yeah. And like yeah. most... I think a lot of media is consumed for the sake of like assimilation. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like, right. I think that's totally valid. But yeah. like for people to kind of be like, no, I'm just going to seek out something that I feel like is really yeah. speaking to me in some way. Whoa. Yeah. So like I'm not good at that at all. Most of the media I consume is historically contextual that's what i'm sort of i always want to watch a movie from this period or mm. from this director or from this this mm -hmm. this it's very hard for me to watch something that nobody else has watched i need kind of someone to tell me something's worth watching before i will do it yeah and like i wish i could overcome that mm -hmm. you know what i mean um so for these people so so nice so cool so flattering that they pick us too it's like so great and we are the show they're watching that night like yeah! I mean, there's some people who who literally watch us twice a week, four yeah. hours a week, and I'm like, that's where they're programming. Like, yeah. we're the TV show they're watching that night or whatever. And like, fucking ants. Yeah, we don't make enough money that we, you know, we all need day jobs. We all need to be making other revenue and stuff. But like, shit, how many people are someone's TV show? Yeah, you know? like that's like a very real thing. And even if it's a yeah. small, small group, like, yeah, it feels. I'm now like kind of realizing that. And right. going into these of just like, this is just a special thing. Like, yeah. how many people who want to pursue comedy can say they got up to this point? Yeah. Like, people who probably have made more money than us can't even say they've had that same effect. I mean, that's sick as fuck. As someone who's, like, making stuff and, and trying to make stuff, like, the the dedication and, like, originality and just, like, joy and freedom is yeah. just so fucking sick. Yeah, so I'm trying to, like, feel that a lot more now, and I'm, like... I definitely have a lot of, like, just sort of just warm feelings around the show right now. Yeah. You know, like I'm just, and I feel like I've Post never fire. been, yeah. And yeah. I feel like I've also probably, I think in COVID, like everyone, I got sort of in a fog and I wasn't working very hard on a lot of things. And yeah. especially when nothing's happening, it's very difficult to like do things. And I think coming yeah. out of that, I was like, this is a good, we're in a unique position. We have a good thing going here. Like I should be pursuing that in its fullest. And like, 
now we got the movie again and like i've been writing a script and we got a bunch of other things going so. yeah yeah i feel like now it's like we're back in a way. yeah so i'm trying to to keep that and i really it it is funny but i i honestly give so much credit to that fire because it really did give me that feeling of like wow this could all be gone at any moment <laughs> like it's one thing to hear yeah. that from somebody else yeah. like be grateful for what you have or whatever some yeah. people have it worse than you you never know when this and that and it's another thing to like be unsure of like oh is everything gone and then like going through hypotheticals in your head of having nothing and like yeah. losing all these things yeah and then coming back out of it it's almost a near-death experience in a smaller degree, right, you know? And right. then, like, coming back out of it and being like, remember those feelings that you had? Like, that's way more real than anything you could feel from someone being like, well, a lot of people, you know, you never know, but blah, blah, blah. Like, yeah, truly feeling the dread of yeah. losing those things yeah. really makes you come out of it like, I should, I should be, I should care about this a lot, you know, to take like any positivity out of that is so beautiful and cool. And to not just emerge being like bitter and being like, what the <laughs> fuck? I can't believe this fucking happened. Well, to me. we fuck got everything. so lucky in hindsight. I mean, we got unlucky in that there was a fire in our home. But right. like I said, most of our stuff made it out. Mm -hmm. I lost just a few things that had any sentimental value. We mm -hmm. had renter's insurance, too. So like, I, you know, monetary value was pretty much a wash mm -hmm. and most of the show made it whatever couldn't got crowdfunded yeah and we were all fine man like we uh, jake's cats yeah made it out and like i wasn't even home when it happened so like i was yeah literally never at risk but yeah like we're all healthy and fine yeah and so like that and and 85 to 90 percent of our stuff made it out like much 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 lower on the yeah. list in terms of importance but like also yeah. valid so like yeah you know there's a lot to be thankful for through all that yeah man it's a sick ass like another inspirational element to an already inspirational arc of the that whole show you know <laughs> yeah yeah tell me about movies <laughs> <laughs> which were we talking about what did i say we we're gonna come back to that I just want to know like where movies start in your heart. Okay, where movies start in my heart. Yeah, okay. when did you start loving movies? And then there's a specific instance. So when I was a kid, my brother and I um, would watch a lot of movies together, and we yeah. had like six or seven DVDs. We had. You remember what they were? Yes, they were VHSs at my grandparents' house, and there were some DVDs at my in my regular home. Yeah, my brother and I would watch. The DVDs were. Eight Crazy Nights, the Adam Sandler movie. Yeah. Help, the Beatles movie. Yeah. And I think that was it on the DVD. But then the VHSs, we had Grease, Bye Bye Birdie, Joseph and His Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. We were not yeah. religious at all. Yeah. I don't know how we got into possession of this, yeah. of this like VHS. Yeah, a couple musicals. Rocked. Yeah. And the Pokemon movie and the Digimon movie. I so those it. were I like seen the, the Digimon movie, but the Pokemon. Oh, movie Wizard of Oz was another one. Yeah, we watched a shit ton of times. Um, Ash turned to stone. Pikachu cry. Heartbreaking. Kids in America opening that song, where the what's that one lady who like is like a paper cutout almost? No, I'm thinking of the Digimon one. Okay, I was gonna be like, oh man, I don't yeah, know. It. Never mind. This is a Digimon thing. Word, word, word. I was way more into Digimon than Pokemon. I was I was one of those kind. Of <laughs> 
early red flag in my life. To, to I mean, like, out. massive respect, and I'll, and I'll, they're both fucking made up yeah, shit. Yeah. But it's somehow but it, so funny to be really into Digimon. Yeah, and and you should you you see the seven year old. It's like I like Digimon actually, and you're like, oh, that guy, <laughs> that guy is gonna be insufferable when he's older. And they were right, but um, <laughs> it just it's unfortunate that that fandom like or that like universe has not continued to no, reward you for the time you put gone. in like pokemon has yeah. it's like be like pokemon, pokemon like no, great oh it's pikachu yeah. still he's still around you can keep liking like, it yeah like agumon's not coming back anytime <laughs> soon huh we're not gonna be seeing any agumon, agumon. apps showing up <laughs> but those were the movies and like yeah. honestly like I would just watch these like eight to ten fucking movies over and over again. Yeah. So I like didn't have a super refined palette, but also in hindsight, yeah, one a lot of musicals. Yeah, Boss too. Like I don't know, and help musical yeah. movie. So I for my brother and I have always had a weird like yeah. fixation on musicals. That rules. But despite we don't you know we don't really sing, we don't play instruments, so it didn't take off in that way. Yeah. But I just, I love a good musical, personally. Yeah. Especially, like, a 50s, 60s, really, you know, over-the-top, like, big sets kind of thing. Yeah, do you have any, like, fake musicals off the top oh, of your Oh, American head? in Paris. I mean, I still love Bye never, Bye Birdie. I've never heard of American in Paris. American in Paris is a Gene Kelly one. Word. And it's uh, Stanley Donnan, I think, is the director. Okay. But it's, uh, it's same sort of, you know, general aesthetics as Singing in the Rain. But it's like a little more, it's a little less sappy, I guess. I don't know. It's still very sappy. It's mm -hmm. kind of silly. But like, I don't know. It takes place in Europe and there's like, he's a painter. And then the 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 dance number at the end is really the thing. There's like this 10 minute insane piece. And I love Busby Berkeley musicals too. I don't know if you know I've Busby know. Berkeley. Okay. No. That Busby one you can literally just Google because the movies themselves are kind of unwatchable. But like he will do... Sick name. Yeah, really cool name. He will do these big dance pieces in the middle of them where he kind of, he was, he was the, he's the guy who like, you know, it's like the group of dancers and you, you're seeing them from the top so that they like look like a shape and they're kind of moving around. Have you ever seen even a clip from like a black and white movie where, you know, it's like, or they're in a pool or whatever, and then it becomes like synchronized swimmers. And okay. It just was like yeah. a circle, and then it's like a star. And yeah. They're like, you know, right. He was the guy who was kind of doing that. That was Whoa. his big thing, was kind of using them as shapes as opposed to focusing on the individual dancer. Uh -huh. And obviously, when you're watching movies from the 30s and 40s, they all are like terrible picture quality and image and stuff. So it's kind of hard to like appreciate the nuances of someone's like tap dancing and stuff. Uh -huh. Whereas if you're like, wow, look at that, they're a square. It's like a little It reads yeah, I think it's better on the eye um, Damn that's But yeah I've always loved all those No real musical Inclination I think I think I'm I, I know I am learning disabled And I think one of them has something to do with Like I've really never been able to like Read sheet music I can't learn other languages I really struggle with that I don't know what the specific mm. thing is But never really followed through in that way But then I got to be I I also really liked Looney Tunes, Pink Panther cartoons. Yeah. Like the actual cartoon. Yeah. Um like I would watch Boomerang a lot. Dude. You know? Fucking love Boomerang. Yeah. You ever watch Wacky Races? 
No. Wacky Races was great because it was just these guys from, I think, other cartoons yeah. would all like meet for a race every week. And then there'd be like hijinks with their cars and stuff to try to pass each other. God, that's great. And then every week there would be like a first, second and third. And you'd be like, oh, I guess those guys won this week. Let's see who wins next. And it was so God, that's cool. So simple. But yeah. I, would, I would love that. But anyway, that sounds awesome. So simultaneously, I feel like I wasn't getting a very refined palette in terms of movies growing up while also watching a lot of like old movies and like classics and like I wasn't seeing a ton of modern stuff because mm-hmm. um, my parents like didn't want it. They were like, I'm not going to watch kids shit. And like I wasn't particularly seeking it out. So like I wasn't wa- like I would see Pixar stuff, and, but like we yeah. weren't getting a ton of and I watched SpongeBob on TV and stuff, you know, all the like normal kids shows we yeah. would watch. I'd watch those. I wasn't weird about those, but. When I was 12 or 13, my dad and I were walking. We were in Florida visiting my mom's parents. And we were at some mall. And my dad is in like a Best Buy or something. I don't know. We're in something. Circuit City or something. And he finds in the like bin of DVDs that are kind of discounted. He's like, oh my God. And he grabs this one DVD. And he's like, I haven't seen this movie in so long. He's like, we used to watch this in Beirut, blah, blah, blah. He's like, we got to watch this, Chris. We got to watch this. He buys it. We go back to the like apartment we're staying in. And just my dad and I, we sit down, we watch this movie. And I am like, I laugh so, so hard. Like, I am dying throughout this movie. Yeah. Wait, what's the movie? Well, so. Sorry. And. I'm like, this is just so good. It's it's like so good in a way. I've never seen a movie this good. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, or a comedy this good, I should yeah, say. Yeah, I've yeah, yeah. You know, I, the Pixar movies are all great and everything. But like, I, I was like 12 or 13 and I was watching a comedy for adults that was yeah. playing perfectly to me, but also like was good for adults. Mm. And I was really like, for the first time, like, wow, that was really impressive and cool. Mm-hmm. It was The Party which is a Blake Edwards movie starring Peter Sellers, who is a British actor, mm-hmm. and he plays a man named Harundi V. Bakshi in this movie. Oh, yes. I yes. feel like I saw a, like a Lifetime Achievement Award or something yes. in like, clips of this. So, yeah, he fully does brown face. Right. <laughs> he does this very, uh, very offensive voice. I will say none of the, maybe I shouldn't even say, I don't know. I don't want to get into hot water, but he's not like making fun of Indian people. You know what I mean? Mm. It's just like a British guy should not be playing an Indian guy. Like that's right. what it comes yeah. to. <laughs> it's not like he's being like, oh, I'm the silly, ridiculous man, you know, kind of thing. Uh-huh. But it's still, it's just like, it's so inappropriate <laughs> from just like a, just a basic sociological point of view. It's yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. But there is a kind of sweet thing in the movie, and I think it's kind of why my dad and his, like, he said growing up, they all loved it so much. Is like, you kind of, the movie ends, and there is a, an obvious culture clash between the Indian actor and the Hollywood showbiz types. He accidentally gets invited to. The movie is, since no one's ever going to watch this because it's a deeply controversial and problematic movie, the movie is a, a Indian actor is called to Hollywood to be an extra on a set about, like, the British and Indian wars, right? Mm. So he's in the background of some shots and he's ruining all the shots through mm-hmm. various things. He's 
he grabs a guy, he's wearing his watch. You know, they don't have watches in this period or whatever. He's blowing a bugle. He gets shot. He refuses to stop blowing the bugle. <laughs> they all start shooting him. And he still blows the bugle. <laughs> the big fuck up he does is they're rigging a thing to be blown up yeah. for a shot. I think this and, is the clip I've seen. Yes. And before they can get the shot, he steps on the fuse and explodes it. The TNT pushed down. Yes, yeah. exactly. So he gets... The, the director calls the producer, calls the studio, blacklists this guy, make sure he never works again in this town. The studio head writes down the name of the actor, says, I'll see to it, he never works again in this town. Hangs up, leaves the room. His secretary comes in and says, your wife is asking for the invite list for the party you two are throwing. And he goes, it's on my desk. She sifts around the pages. On the thing that says her own DV box, she, she pulls that out and it's the guest list. So the secretary calls and says, I need a phone number for her and DV Bakshi. Invites him to the party. Yeah. So he wow. shows up to the party. Yeah. Everyone's like, you must know him. He must know him. Right, you know? right, right, right. And he makes a complete ass of himself through this whole party. Yeah. But what's very sweet about it, I think, is by the end, you, you, he's right. You know what I mean? It's yeah. not a thing where they make fun of him for being a guy that shouldn't be in the right place. Mm -hmm. It's sort of teases that in the beginning and then by the end you're like actually that's just like a nice man with yeah. like good morals and right. these people are all kind of assholes yeah and he's yeah. just like not aware that that's okay that they're assholes right he like doesn't see that as normal right and so i actually think if an indian actor was in this movie right it would be a totally okay yeah movie. right it's just like they didn't they did they couldn't have picked a worse country for the actor to come from, to, but obviously there's a reason, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, it can't do a brown face. So that's yeah. just the fundamental glaring problem in that movie. But otherwise, you know, anyway, yeah. and at the time, firstly, when I watched the movie, I had no idea who Peter Sellers was. So I thought this was just an Indian actor. And right. I was like, whoa, this guy's great. Yeah. It's <laughs> like, I don't, I've never seen this guy in anything else. Yeah. I don't know who he is. He is also Inspector Clouseau. I was going to say, yes. isn't that true? Okay, yes. cool. And the same director who made all the Pink Panther movies made this movie. Okay. So Hell it yeah. is, it's the only non-Pink Panther movie they ever made together. Word. And it's, to me, it's, it's right up there with the others. Asterix. Right. It's unwatchable because of one thing. But right. if you could yeah. fix that. Yeah. Writing wise, everything, if you could yeah. change that casting choice, it's right up there. It's maybe the best of all. It's better than all the Pink Panther movies. I would Hell say, yeah. again, you have to you have to do so much qualifying. But yeah, yeah. But I think that's fair. Yeah, you know? yeah. Anyway, so I then watch all the Pink Panther movies because I'm like, oh, I want to know more about these guys. And I'm like, whoa, this guy's white. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> wow, he's a really good actor because I had no idea. I really did not realize that. Yeah. So I become really into peter sellers i i that was really my exposure to film i'm yeah. getting the longest answers this is the best dude. This, i've okay. you're answering questions i have asked you. okay yeah um, you're chilling dog i that was my exposure to films being yeah. like this guy is really really good and yeah. i think early on you know talking about what did i want to do in comedy or whatever like i just had it in my head some way that i would make movies that felt like pink panther movies kind of yeah thing. not literally inspector clouseau movies but i yeah. was like i want to make that type of movie and then i just became obsessed with like let me go through and watch all the you know historically relevant comedy like the comedy films that have stood the test of time and everyone's like you got to watch these mm. and uh, i remember watching airplane mm. being like wow that was crazy 
Yeah. Like, I don't know if you've ever seen I've it. I've never seen it. It's, I hear people reference it all the time. I was like, yeah. Cool. I hope it hasn't aged. I feel like it's not going to be as good now as it would have been like 10 years ago. Yeah. But I think it's still going to be really, really good. Yeah. When I saw it, which was probably 10 years ago, I remember I was like in my kitchen watching it or something and I was just like howling. Laughing, yeah. Like alone in a room, you know, yeah. just when you really know something's good. Yeah. And then I watched... I'm taking film classes at this point in, yeah. in high school. And we're watching Maltese Falcon, all these old movies and stuff. And I like them. I'm having a good time in them. Yeah. And you're like, I'm, I want to be making movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, this is really cool. But there's something a little like stuffy. And I, I, Growing up, I thought I was a very dumb guy, I should also say. I had very bad grades in school. Oh, I right, right, right. I was very quick to play the dumb guy in conversation mm -hmm. like that was a very early joke that i developed was like acting stupid right but i think it also kind of had this reinforcement thing where my friends started to think i was stupid and i started to think i was stupid and i had terrible grades too mm. um and so i there when i would watch these movies that were so high art and i was like fucking 14 15 i couldn't mm -hmm. interpret them yet you know it was yeah. just like i just needed more time to understand movies but I thought I was just too dumb of a guy. Like, I thought I was like, yeah. oh, these are just movies for smart people, and I, I'll never understand them. Or I mean, whatever. what if you were 12 and, like, <laughs> watching <laughs> yeah. fancy-ass movies and, like, having sophisticated opinions? Yeah, like, like, that would be, you'd be a freak. Like, no one would ever <laughs> want to hang out with you. Um, but, so I have it in my head that, like, I'm this dumb guy, and I'm like, damn, I really love movies, but, like, I don't understand any of this shit. Mm. And then, this is not a good way to lead this in, because it is not like that, but I watch, I see on the list is Duck Soup, the Marx Brothers movie. Word. I don't know if you've ever seen a Marx Brothers movie. I have. It's also a blind spot for me. Okay. So I knew very little about them, but I had seen the Groucho Marx glasses yeah. or whatever. So I, I knew conceptually what that was. Yeah. Also, my whole life, I thought those were just generic disguise glasses mm -hmm. until maybe two years Me too. Years Probably. Ago. Well, for me, it was like when I looked up this movie. Yeah, so oh, okay. Like, oh, Word. there's yeah. like a guy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought that was a disguise. Turns out it's a guy. Yeah. It's like, there's a specific man. <laughs> yeah. These are. I had no idea. Um, But yeah, I mean, you know, I think the first stuff from that era I was watching was Chaplin. That's like the first guy mm -hmm. you, that if you're learning film... And you're like, old silent comedies. The first guy is going to be Chaplin. Second mm. guy is going to be Keaton. Maybe Harold Lloyd, who I kind of think is bad. But Marx Brothers are high up there as well. Abbott and Costello, Laurel and Hardy. These are mm. all the kind of guys. And I was watching Abbott and Costello for some reason. I don't know yeah. why. It was an early one I, I adopted. But I finally am like, all right, I'll watch Marx Brothers. Yeah. I'll watch this Duck Soup movie. I think yeah. it was on Netflix. I didn't know that the history of comedy and the history of film are like that interrelated. Well, the history of film's so new. You right. have to think it's like yeah. it's like 120 years. I mean, yeah, yeah, you yeah, can yeah. technically go back further, but like, especially you're talking about mass producing films that are longer than five minutes or whatever. Mm -hmm. That really didn't start till like 110, 115 years ago or so. Yeah. Um, and it's all tied to vaudeville. Like, comedic film history is a continuation of vaudeville. Mm -hmm. And it just sort of pushes through that. So you can even tie it back to just, like... Mm -hmm. And I'm sure dramatic film is a continuation of theater. Like, I don't know. I, I yeah. don't know that enough mm -hmm. in terms of, like, early cinema for, like, romance and swashbuckler and all that stuff. That's not really where my forte is. But, like, comedic film was just vaudeville. I'm a big swashbuckler yeah. guy. <laughs> I love, uh, fuck, what's his name? Oh, damn. 
I can't. You'll have to cut this joke. You'll have to cut this joke. Wait a minute. Rudolph Valentino. Nice. I got it. Never heard of him, but Perfect. I believe you. Big Rudolph Valentino guy. Pretend I said that. I bet that that's a, such a good reference too. Yeah. I, if uh, I had said that earlier, I would have crushed. I'll edit it and Perfect. make us sound really both smart and cool you. and funny. Thank you. <laughs> Big Rudolph Valentino guy here. Yeah. But yeah, so that that stuff I knew all about. But I yeah. finally watched Duck Soup, and it felt like I don't know how to describe this feeling. Are you? you, you were you ever a kid? Once. And yes. So you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. And you're an adult kind of takes your side in a thing between. Yes. You ha- or not even takes your side, but like you almost start. There's two yeah. factions of adults in yes. some way. And yes. you're a child and you feel some kind of link to an adult. Yeah. Where you're like. I kind of have a thing going. You, two, yeah. you and I are kind of in on something here that they are not privy to. Yes. Like you're you're treating me with a level of normalcy that regular adults don't. Yes. Like you're talking to me like I'm not an idiot or whatever. Yeah. Sounds like I'm setting up like an abduction the way I'm describing this event. No, <laughs> I I deeply relate to that. Yeah, yeah. And there's just like this resentment and mistrust, and you're just always telling me I can't do and stuff. Then suddenly, and, an adult kind of yeah. talks to you normally, and you're yeah. like, whoa, wait. And you're a like, poo poo pee pee, funniest thing I ever heard. Yeah. And you're like, yes, thank yeah. you. And you're like, whoa, <laughs> wait a minute. And I had that same feeling watching this movie of like, this movie's not cutting together. Like, there's mm. large parts of this movie that make no sense. Yeah. And like. I'm having a great time. Right. Like, I'm laughing my ass off at this. Yeah. And I'm like, they did this? Like, they they made this movie? And mm. they, like, released it? <laughs> and I had this sense of, like, oh, my God. Like, I didn't realize. It's, it's not that it was, like, bad. Like, it was. It's technically almost unwatchable. Mm-hmm. Like, from a technical standpoint. Mm-hmm. But it's just one of the best. It's, in my opinion, the best movie ever made. Because yeah. Because it, like. It's a movie about anarchism, too, uh-huh. kind of, if you want to be a little hoity-torty about it. They would say it's a movie about nothing, but, like, it, it's very political, and mm-hmm. there's definitely this, like, anarchist streak in them that's uh-huh. on display in the movie. And the movie itself can barely get made because these guys, like, won't sit down to be in the shots. <laughs> so, like, the anarchism, like, permeates into the, like... right. There's like a realism to the anarchy. Almost. Right. Yeah. It's, it's so powerful. Damn. You feel insane watching. <laughs> like you really feel, to- especially me as a guy who was like just kind of getting into older stuff. And I'm watching these like beautifully composed Chaplin movies or like Maltese Falcon or, you know, like Citizen Kane and stuff. And then I'm like, couldn't even, I couldn't even call back the name you said five seconds ago, Valentino Richard. Rudolph Valentino. <laughs> Wish like, I'll splice that in there as well. Yeah, this is going to cut together awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I really felt like, oh, this is like a lot more cool than I realized it was. Yeah. Like, it wasn't even so much of like, oh, I don't need to be a genius to do this, but it was almost like, oh, like I can do this part. Mm-hmm. Like I can be anarchistic and absurd mm-hmm. and like that's actually where i feel incredibly comfortable mm. so which in hindsight was kind of like the improviser comedian yeah, guy yeah, trying yeah. to come out in a way you right know? right but because that is a very improvised movie because mm. they couldn't get them to learn their lines like Whoa. they were just completely yeah. uncontrollable um so for me that that movie specifically it was when i was like okay 
this, this is going to be my whole thing now. This is just going to be my big thing. Like, I found the thing I like doing. I was also, it was the first class I ever got good grades in because I had a genuine, yeah. very real interest in it. And all you had to kind of do was talk about movies. And I was like, yeah. I can do that. Like, yeah. that's fine. And I could, I liked history. Right. So a lot of it's film history. History was yeah. the only class I had any kind of, like, ability in. So I was like, this is great. This yeah. Is, I'm for the first time and who's on first and I perform who's on first yeah. and that goes very well. So it's wow. just this thing that's naturally happening where yeah. you're in high school and they say like, you'll start to see the things you like and the things you don't and the things you're good at and the things you're not. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately I was like, it looks like I want to be a comedian and filmmaker and improviser. Eventually I would learn. And so yeah. I've been banished to this life. I've, <laughs> I've been cast to this hell. Many of my friends are, are, doctors and they work for very good companies and but yeah i yeah i relate <laughs> to that in terms of I, yeah it's so it's embarrassing honestly when i try to riff the specifics of someone living like a legitimate <laughs> like yeah. normal job life you know but uh couldn't be me yeah just couldn't be me right and, and, and yeah no i'm jealous i'm i'm ex yeah i would love if I could just like work for 40 hours a week and then just like, I don't know what I do when I come home. I don't know what, yeah. but like I would love if like I did and I could be like, oh, I'm going to work at the bank. Yeah. And then I will just like come home. I have the things I do, yeah. whatever those are. Yeah. And <laughs> again, and then I don't I'll know just like, are. and I will never wake up screaming. Like I will never have a day where I wake up like what is going on. I can't go into work today or I'm going to freak out. <laughs> and like, I would love that. And I'm yeah. incredibly jealous of people who have that right. or who do wake up screaming are like, I'm still going to go into work. I got to go to the bank. I just got to go into the work. Today. Yeah. And I don't I, have to talk yeah. myself into thinking, <laughs> yeah. why is the bank even here? Yeah. <laughs> What's I don't the bank for? Go, like, Should I be in jail for doing this? <laughs> There's no part of me that does that. Yeah. When like, I'm curious more about the making of films and you and like writing screenplays, making short films. Um, I didn't. You know, I was in a film class in high school, so we yeah. made shorts there. But like when when a movie is homework, it's never really done right. Mm -hmm. You know, like even when we got to film school, like the scripts I would write because they would just place these very frustrating. It's got to be this type of script and it's got to be done in two weeks or whatever. It's just like it was always just bad and mm -hmm. phoned in thing, um, which is maybe a bad omen if I was to try to be a professional screenwriter where you are often told it has to be this type of script and it has mm. to be done by this time. But we'll deal with that later. Maybe, um, maybe, maybe we won't even have to worry about that. We'll see. Um, so you mean talking about like, maybe no one would ever ask me to write a script. Oh. And we would never need to worry about me not being able to write a script. Well, because no one would request that of me. So maybe we wouldn't need to worry, <laughs> but I, I can't offer you anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, what I was going to say, um, I forgot now. I've lost it. Making movies. Yeah, yeah. What I was going to say was uh, in college, I would make shorts. I was a producing major, so we, we didn't have to. No one told us. to. I would have to make other people's movies. Mm -hmm. And that just kind of meant buy fruit snacks for the set and like make sure the schedules were done and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um. And I would phone that in a lot. Um, but I would try to make some movies on the side. I made one with Jake about a guy who has sex with a printer. 
and that came out pretty good and we actually put it on reddit and it got like fifteen thousand views and we were like oh okay like Hell yeah that was you know it's another one of those little external validator fuck yeah is it still there yeah Hell yeah. It's called P print print five six eight three or P five six eight. It's gonna be very hard to find. It's gonna be very buried. I don't know how to find it. So. <laughs> Do not link to it in the, in the episode description. But then I made another movie after that, and that one kind of didn't go well. I mean, it still came out okay, but yeah. I was trying to do a black comedy and it it didn't play in the way I wanted it to. And it got kind of too depressing and not mm. funny enough. Mm. Um, but it still turned out okay. And then I got so caught up in making senior year. I couldn't make a movie because I was like producing a bunch of movies for a bunch of people as my final projects yeah. or whatever. And then I got so caught up in improv that I did shoot a couple things very unseriously. Mm-hmm in the last few years and I would be in other people's things. Yeah. But I was also like working on, I would like, I was a PA. So I was yeah. doing, you know, I spent a few years just like working 70 something hour yeah. weeks. And then I was doing improv all the time. And mm -hmm. so because I felt so like the iron was hot with improv, I kind of like had kind of quieted down on making movies for a while. And it yeah. did kind of start to bother me a little bit. Which is why right before COVID, I set out to make this. I was also realizing, like, as I was pursuing improv with more earnestness, that I needed work on acting. And mm -hmm. I realized that, you know, maybe the thing I like about improv is kind of acting. And maybe I do sort of like acting, mm -hmm. as resistant as I'd been to it. Mm -hmm. um, so I wanted to act in a movie and I wanted to make a movie. And, you know, the yeah. whole thing. So, like I am the lead in this movie. This, this movie you just made. Yeah, this yeah. improvised feature. Yeah. Fuck well, yeah. It's, so here's the thing, though. Oh right, that was the inception of it. Yeah. So it got we we were like ninety percent or eighty five percent of the way there. Yeah. And then COVID hit, and Rough. then it was like gone. Yeah. And the two guys I was making it with moved away. Damn. So I I assumed it was dead. And you were sharing with me the other night when you were telling me about this that like. The stuff you had because you were like stealing shots running around the stuff that you had or that you were about to do that last 10 15 percent was like go in public spaces yeah and be trains around people. diners places that were literally not operating right for yeah. months this will kill yeah. you you cannot <laughs> yeah. go there yeah. <laughs> yeah and masks all of a sudden right are everywhere right and like you know it was a totally different like we couldn't right yeah so they leave and I'm like, shit, we just didn't finish that movie. We had all yeah. these people in it. We got all these shots. Right. We didn't spend a ton of money, but we spent like a couple hundred dollars. And yeah. I was like, this is fucked. This sucks. Yeah. So then like two months ago, this is literally like two and a half years later, uh, one of the guys is in town for a month and yeah. we're talking and we're like, man, this is fucked. We should have finished that movie, blah, blah, blah. So we call the other guy who lives in New York now and we brainstorm like a way to finish it. And so now it's a short how long i don't know probably like a half hour or something like it's not going to be a short short but we were doing like a slow cinema style before which is basically just these very long shots that very little happens in but it's there's almost this hypnotic state you go into watching it right Word. um so even though it was like an hour and 40 minutes there wasn't like a ton of actual unique shots so we're now going to cut it down and just take all these shots and stuff, but instead of presenting them slow cinema, 
style. We're going to be a much more jumpy and right. cutting around and everything and much more mm -hmm. expressionistic. Yeah. So we filmed, we've already filmed it. We filmed a bunch of stuff that's supposed to take place like in the future mm -hmm. to, to sort of justify what's missing and what's gone. And I actually think, because also it's, the movie is about QAnon. Wow. Because the, one of the guys I'm making it with, his older brother got yeah. into QAnon. Yeah. Yeah. And it's yeah, like yeah. completely fucked up their lives and not, it's completely <sighs> fucked up their relationship to each yeah. other. Yeah. Happened to me with a, someone I'm close yeah. to. That's fucking hard yeah and, and this, this guy really fell in full force Whoa. i mean he's yeah. full like uh he's a light spirit and god's plan and yeah the you storm. know the the storm and yeah the arrests are inevitable and Whoa. i mean he's yeah it's really crazy so yeah. we we made the movie about that and obviously in two years so much had changed right. so we kind of needed to adapt our story to it so yeah. I, I actually think the product's gonna be better now than it would have been in the original thing now mm. that we've had time and space right and we've adjusted yeah so i'm very excited to see how it yeah! turns out i'm i'm not the editor that's not my right forte right so so it's somewhat out of your hands at this point somewhat i mean obviously i'll give my notes and stuff but right like i all i can do kind of right now is sit for the next couple months and wait for the the assemblage and stuff yeah and, all that. and i'm looking into festivals and stuff i'm gonna try to get a free trip to armenia out of this yeah yeah. This is exciting as hell. Yeah. Where can people see it, you think, or go to find out where to see it when the time comes? Well, I don't know, because we're going to do a festival run with it. Mostly, like, we're not going to get, it's not going to be like a Sundance type move, just because the picture quality is not that good. We shot it on an iPhone. Hell yeah. Part of the whole, you know, Punk stealing rock. shots. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. Everything. Um, but there's a lot of like underground festivals and like yeah. indie festivals and like things like that that are literally catered to this type of movie. Fuck so yeah. We're going to try to go on like a festival run with it. So I don't know if it will be released to be seen until next year, honestly. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we're going to finish it probably in September. Hell yeah. And then we're probably going to go on like, I don't know, maybe a year. It kind of depends. Like, yeah. I, I'm saying this having literally not seen a minute of the, like, I right. don't know how it's, yeah, yeah, but yeah. if it turns out good, if everything keeps going well, and if we feel like we have a good movie and the picture quality came out all right, like I could see us trying to milk it for all it's worth because the festival lifestyle is wild. I've yeah. never, I could never imagine myself in it, but there are people who just like make these small movies and then like run them around for a year and like, make some money off that and like get some mm -hmm. small distribution off that. And like, I mean, that's their career. Yeah. And I think that's what one of the guys I'm doing it with is kind of sees for himself yeah. in the future. Uh huh. So this would be his next project, I guess. And then I also just get, you know, I get stuff for a reel and I get, I think I'm in and it's, yeah. my you know, we all produce it together. We all wrote it together. So yeah, it's cool. That's fucking but sick as to fuck. To answer the question, I don't know when. I would say maybe yeah. like next year sometime. Word. But hopefully, I'd be like, look at all the laurels on it, and it's got all these things. And it's yeah, my long anticipated movie. Yeah, you can find it on some sort of very disturbing streaming platform or something. When the time comes, I'll point people to it when it's Yo, pointable. Chris. I have a couple more questions for you. Absolutely. And thanks for having me on, by the way, man. When I jokingly said, wow, I haven't been invited on this podcast. <laughs> Live on the air Live on your on show. Air, <laughs> I felt it register as too real. <laughs> and I just want to say, fully meant it as a joke. Dog? Fully meant it as a joke. 
Here's the thing. I sense in you a very similar part in me, which is nice person who also like do a joke. And like, <laughs> yeah. But then I'm like pretty accurate. <laughs> <laughs> I did not take that joke at like I did not me feel. Uh, I think it was more that I was just like so embarrassed because I've been on your show so many times that you've invited me on. <laughs> And then for me to plug my show where I just talk to whoever about anything that I've had, that I had had Rocky on. It was just something that I had always like, I was like, oh, I gotta, I gotta have these guys on to talk and chat with. Honestly, very glad to be here. This is super fun. Man, it's cool. I was trying to do the math earlier today of the amount of time that we've spent together. And how much of it is in like improvised character versus us being ourselves. Certainly more than half. Yeah, I think maybe I've done the show like a dozen times Mm -hmm. and it's two hours of whoever's there, you know, and then maybe five minutes before and five (laughs) minutes after. Hi, what's up? (laughs) Bye. So it's it's maybe like 10 hours total of like hanging out with you as a guy. (laughs) And I'm going to be honest, it's getting harder and harder for me to do that side in my life. (laughs) I'm getting I'm getting more and more to the place where I'm like, right. I would love to just. Do some improv with these people and then never make eye contact with anyone. <laughs> Keep my head down. Right. Live inside my own little, little bubble. Yeah. <laughs> and, right. Yeah. You're yeah. doing that four hours a week. Yeah. It's just getting, you know, it's just like being alive is tough, man. <laughs> it's so much easier when you can just be like, I'm not me. I don't need to worry about any of this. I'm like a dog or whatever. <laughs> you know, it's like. That's then you can talk to somebody. Then you can have a conversation. You don't have to worry about like, oh geez, I wow. I said that. That's me. That has like never. That really just summed it up for me. (laughs) Being alive is hard. Well, what if I'm like a dog or whatever? Maybe that's why I like improv. Yeah, I mean that is that is a beautiful power of it. Is it's just like everything around me is so scary and bad, and I don't know what's going on. But if I was a bellhop at a kind of quirky hotel, <laughs> I would have a great idea what's going on. I would know exactly how to do all this stuff. And I'll just pretend I'm that. For a little bit. <laughs> and I don't have to be this guy who's got so many questions to answer when this camera stops being. <laughs> and the one thing I haven't asked anyone on the show about that, like, sort of came up uh, pre-show the other day that I'm curious about is like, um, I don't know if you've ever been on and you don't have to say uh if you've ever been on like interactive uh like cam sex uh like cam girl websites you know i'm aware of them right i'm not a i feel like i can say this i'm not a frequent (laughs) visitor of them that's not kind of like where i gravitate to but i have a i have an understanding of them right yeah and i'm curious just like if the experience of being on the Everything Now show, or like just I'm camming friendship. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's the joke, right? Uh, that certainly my brother will make fun of me by saying, and I kind of see it, but I guess if we're to if we were to zoom out a little further, right? Yeah. Isn't that kind of all things then? For sure. Is the only yeah. difference that we kind of get tips that I think mm. operate in a very similar way to how that website yeah. does tips. It's just sort of like a through line that is really interesting where yeah. I'm just like, oh, interesting that like there's this improv 
people and like Twitch streamers and then like sex worker have this like s- uh, related mean, experience in this one way. Slightly less connected because our the money you give us largely is hmm, but is that true with the cams as well? Because I was going to say the money you give us largely affects what will happen next. Right. So that is to say, yeah. you give us this thing and you've selected. Yeah. But that's probably how it works. Yeah. Like, in my brief experience on there, you're probably that like, was the like because like for us, yeah. it's like you paid three dollars and you selected phone call. Right. So now a phone call will happen. Yeah. And that it's probably like you paid three dollars and you selected, you know, phone call. Yeah. No, <laughs> <laughs> my three dollars went to phone oh, call. She's just going to call a friend. <laughs> I guess that's hot. <laughs> yeah. So maybe it's yeah. even more similar. The one the, the thing that I feel is more like. Yeah. The guys who play video games on there. Right. And maybe you're going to see somebody like play a video game very well. Yeah. But I can't help feel that you're largely going to just like have a voice in the room with you kind of thing. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that one feels the most like. Is the service you are doing like virtually keeping somebody company? Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Which respect. Obviously. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe just break the veil of that and yeah. maybe like just lean into it more fully. Right. Yeah. With with us it feels like a little there's there's a little more to what we're doing that I feel yeah. like makes it a little different in yeah, a way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But was only curious about just like the the uh just that that feeling of just like well what i'm noticing as a guy who is a young yeah like creative yeah wants to be or whatever like the relationship between the like figure and their fans is mm-hmm. getting like a little terrifying in my opinion mm-hmm. and like it's fine for us cuz like our fans is like a few dozen people and we kind you know we know them and like <laughs> They're nice people. We talk to them. It's great. Yeah. But like the, you know, like if you're going to be an influencer now or any of these things, or they're talking about building up your comedy resumes or whatever, it's, it's all about direct engagement Uh in a way that's like really, I think bad. Right. Like it's all about like your fans want to hear from you yourself. Right. They want to know where you are right now. Right. They want to know what you're doing. They want a right. picture of you eating lunch right now. Yeah. And I think like for one, it's really invasive. I don't mind telling the people in the our Discord what I'm up to and I will post that. Yeah. And no one's ever like, Chris, where are you right now? Like no one's ever like, right. you know. I'm entitled to yeah. no one's doing every that. aspect and of it. Maybe it's life. just like we have great f- and if we were to get bigger and bigger, maybe some people would show up who become weird. But like there is something very bad for the artist, I think. Mm-hmm. And let's entertain the notion that these are people who are like doing something that requires talent and artistic ability and mm-hmm. not just like someone who's like hot or I don't know, you know, like being an influencer is a wide variety of things right. that can make you an influencer. But like, yeah. let's say theoretically you are an artist. Let's say right. theoretically you, you have some kind of artistic output. Yeah. You're trying do to develop painting. yourself as an artist, something like that. Sure. Yeah. I think it's very bad to not have. I was just trying to share with you. I do a big painting. <laughs> I'll talk about it later. Never mind. Okay, so we'll talk about it. Okay. <laughs> um, I think it's like really bad to not have like uh, the the mystique of right. who you are. Yeah. 
Like, I think I think the audience needs to be able to fill in some of the gaps of your existence. Right. Because they will do it in a better way than the reality. Mm. Like they will. They, it's going to be very hard to be seen as somebody like worth reverence and admiration without any sort of mystery behind you. You know right. what I'm talking about? Yeah. And then I think also like. It just pulls you like why like why it pulls you away from what's really important to be like i gotta take a picture of my fucking lunch and just like tell hundred thousand people like look at this lunch because otherwise they're gonna get like mad at me and it's like right that i feel like is just you know with the people i'd really really like and admire i will admit that of course i'm curious to what they're up to yeah and like if my favorite if sean clements was gonna be like here's where i'm working today and here's the lunch yeah. thing or whatever yeah i would kind of be like yeah curious let me go Same. let me see what he's eating and yeah he is. i mean but i subscribe to his patreon yeah and like if he's talking about anything at all i'm like oh hell yeah <laughs> i am like curious about it but yeah. i don't need that from him. right yeah and and it's helpful for, yeah. for my reverence of him yeah that i don't know everything about him right yeah and i you know like having that I'm just like worried we're getting to a point where celebrities literally are going to be cam girls or whatever. Right. Where you yeah. are just like 24 seven catering to these people that are like directly funding your life too. Yeah. And so there's going to be like, if you stop engaging with the fans, the right. numbers go down, the money starts to go away. Yeah. So like your paycheck becomes less about what your artistic output is. Right. And maybe again, this is probably not a new concept like marketing, you know, these things have always been like it's a lot yeah. more about how you handle yourself as a celebrity than necessarily what the quality of your acting or any of these things, blah, blah, right. blah. Yeah. But I think it's just getting worse instead of better. It's getting more overt. It's right. getting more like the norm. People are yeah. just kind of going like, okay, I guess that's what it is. Right. And I just think that's just going to make for worse artists. Yeah. If that makes sense. I think that makes a ton of sense. And I, yeah, I think it's like, with Sean Clements specifically, like, like so much of his art is just podcasting and just talking. Yeah. And if he's referencing something in his life, it's like usually to keep a conversation going. And it's like, I'm, I'm like of two minds about it because not that it like is make like the, the craving. And I guess it's when it's like inauthentic and when it feels like it's, it's not an expression. It's kind of the difference expression. between Sean Clements on a podcast talking about something his wife just got mad at him about kind yeah. of thing where you're like, oh, he, you know, he's always <laughs> making his wife seem mad at him. And that's kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. Versus like him being like, all right, guys, so my wife and I are in a fight. I'm going to live stream this right now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, totally. Just at least there's a layer of performance to it. Right. That yeah. is kind of it allows for the unreality that makes like, you know, the kind of entertaining aspect of I don't know, like I know what you're saying. I yeah, hear you. Yeah. I, I just I worry that it's just getting like too direct. Like I think you need a little yeah. veil of showmanship. Totally. But maybe not. Maybe authenticity and truth and all that will ring through. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, what if sometimes I start talking. And at a certain point, I go, I don't even agree with this. I think you said a lot of really insightful things, and I, I kind of threw a vague premise area at you. Um, and I just appreciate you sharing your your thoughts on on comedy, on on yes. art, on improv. Um, I should just I should just say now that I'm thinking about it, though, I'm like probably wrong about most of the things I say, and like 
I think it's just that's good to say <laughs> up front. I probably said a lot of dates that were inaccurate. I probably said names that weren't right. So like, sorry. <laughs> I don't claim to be some kind of genius guy. We've talked about this. Not the brightest guy. So sorry if any of that was wrong. I'm sure a lot of it was. Or if I had an opinion that was really bad. That's just gonna happen sometimes. <laughs> I think that's a healthy way to exist. Yeah, we're all trying to get better, right? Yeah. That's yeah, it's all we can do. Yeah. Chris, I have two more questions for you. Okay. One is, what you've been fucking with? What I've been fucking with? Two things have become very obsessive for me lately. Yeah. I watched the Beatles documentary, Get yeah. Back. And I haven't finished it. Growing up, I was like, when I was like... Four to six years old, I I had two Beatles CDs and a and a Discman, and as far as I knew, that was the only music. Like I didn't know <laughs> that there yeah. was like like I had you know I think like Rafi, the children's singer, I had his stuff. Okay, but then I started listening to these two Beatles CDs, and I was like, oh, this is music. Wow, music's great. Yeah. And then eventually, I was like, this is one band. And there's a whole. <laughs> There's so many other types of music. This is really crazy. <laughs> but so from a very early age, I've loved the Beatles. Been super. Like, yeah. My parents listen to them. Hell yeah. Then you go to college and you kind of become the guy who's just like, I don't like the Beatles. I'm cooler than that. I have more niche things. It's, you know, my, my it's like saying your favorite ice cream is vanilla kind of thing where it's just like, okay. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But then I watched this thing and I was like, fuck it, man. Vanilla is the best flavor. Like best why, flavor. Yeah. why make a thing about it? Just right. Like these got, you know, just clearly brilliant people and you're getting yeah. a look inside their process and you're seeing yeah. a very intimate look you haven't seen. And it got me back into all their yeah! music again. So I was just listening to the Beatles nonstop for several weeks. And yeah. then Kendrick just dropped his new album. Yeah. And I, for some reason, like I listen to very, just generally contemporary music. I listen to very little, but especially it's like rap, honestly. Yeah. Like, I don't listen to much. If I were to listen to contemporary music, though, it probably is rap. So I don't know. I'm sort of poking holes in my own point here. But the point is, I listen to very little rap. Yeah. But for whatever reason, I just think Kendrick is incredible. Like I just, Voice of a generation. Yeah. Musically, Iconic. lyrically, yeah. It's, it's incredible stuff. That, yeah. Everything he says is very, very smart guy. Yeah. Right? Just like a very smart guy who's very musically gifted. Yeah. Just so objectively, you're seeing something incredible on display. So yeah. I've been listening to his album for like, yeah. since it came out all the time. And it's great. Yeah. I haven't spent enough time with it, but I gave it one listen. I was like, whoa. Yeah. I've, I've been going back and over. and It's really good. I, yeah. I mean, it, I don't think it has enough. I don't know about enough. I don't want to say that. But I don't think it has as many of like individual tracks that you can pull off the album and just be listening to as right. his earlier stuff does. Mm -hmm. But it, as a full album, it's so beautiful. It's yeah. such a great story. It's so moving. Yeah. Um, in my opinion. Yeah. Maybe I'm a dumb guy though. Maybe I just maybe I'm an easy get. I don't know. And yeah. then You are. Yeah, I am. I'm a, I'm an easy laugh for sure. Um no, but <laughs> I just thought it'd be funny to end on that. <laughs> like, yeah, no way. Actually, yeah, you're dumb. Anyways, see ya. <laughs> and then, um, movies wise, oh, I just last night I watched one of the best documentaries I've ever seen, which is just called The Other Final, and it's about during the 2002 World Cup soccer final. Um, these two Dutch guys were depressed that 
the Netherlands didn't qualify for the World Cup, so they reached out to the two worst teams in the world, which was... What was their name? Oh, I feel so bad for them now. I have to look it up because I will not... I will not do them the disservice. It's yeah. a Caribbean country. It's like a protectorate of Britain. Man, you look it up. I want to tell a quick story about one time I smoked weed with my dad. Okay. And basically, I didn't smoke weed with my dad, but my dad got really high and I was with my dad. And we were in Northern California at a music festival. And uh, I was going to see the Kings of Leon, who I think are largely misunderstood uh, musical group who I love very much, and I also don't think that the most recent things that they've made are very good, but I do think on the whole, they're cat there. I know that one song, Sex, Sex is on Fire. Sex on Fire, Sex yes. Sex on Fire, yeah. that's a good one. That's a good one. Good it, one. It also, like, I understand people write them off. I don't know, their back catalog, very, very important to me. Anyways, my dad hadn't smoked weed since, like, 70s weed, and then, like, had a oh, whole no. joint of, like, modern 2000s oh, no. Northern California weed to himself. Because you could just smoke joints in the back of the day. Oh, no. Anyways, he's like, I'll meet you back at the car. And I like met him back at the car, and he was just like staring at the ground. He was like, back in, I cannot drive the car. <laughs> and then I drove the car. And I was like, do you want to like Beautiful moment. go jack go in the jack of the box? <laughs> it was a very vulnerable moment for my dad, because he was just like, I'm too high, and I just like need to go <laughs> to bed. my son. Yeah. That sounds scary. <laughs> and the next day, he was just like, so happy to be and i've had this experience not then but just like when you're high and you're like i hope this isn't my life now <laughs> and he was just so happy the next day to not be high to just know what his life actually is what were these two teams Montserrat, caribbean island and bhutan which is like a little monarchy between india and china yeah so they were the two lowest ranked fifa teams so these guys reached out and said do you want to play a game together and they agreed and they were like this is going to be great and the two teams hang out together for like the week leading up to the game and they sing karaoke together and they're interviewing all these guys and they're all like, this is so beautiful. Our two countries, it's a proud moment for us both committing in such a tournament. It's not about competition and blah, blah. So, so sweet. It was yeah. just almost like, even if you don't like sports, it was just such a tender, loving movie. Everyone's just so earnest and they're all like treating it like they're going to the World Cup, you know, like they're yeah. having fun. They're like, even though it's something that we would all sort of scoff at here in the developed world or whatever of like their silly little fake trophy and they're, you know, they are just like, we're on the map. This is a big moment for our country. Wave our flag. Uh, The guy who, Arrow, who has the song Hot, Hot, Hot. You know that one? Mm -hmm. He's from Montessorat. Yeah. So they sing that song like every five minutes yes. all throughout this movie. There's just soccer team. Yes. Like they, I think the goalie, they're, they'll just point to him and he'll just start like playing this little like piano or like a ukulele thing and they'll all just start singing hot, hot, hot. Oh my God, they love the song. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just a beautiful movie. Wow. So that, that is right. what I watched last night. That's amazing. The last question I have for you, this is a new segment of the show. Okay. Do you like anime? Hmm. It's a really good question. So, no, but I don't dislike anime. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Anime is a thing that I never was able to get into. And so, I don't go like... Because there's a lot of people who are like, no, people who like anime are freaks. Like, those guys are, you know, and like, I'm not... And I grew up with a lot of people like that. Who would call people like that freaks? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Same. And I'm not that way. Right. Like I'm not I've I did watch 
Neon Genesis Evangelion. Is that? I've not seen it. Okay. Or I've not heard of this. It was one. the big anime that everyone was saying to watch a couple yeah. of years ago. And oh, I watched yeah. it. It was very good. And I thought yeah. it was great. I didn't think it was necessarily like better than movies. Like I feel like people have a thing where they say anime is like secretly incredible. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe they just want their thing to be the best thing kind of, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But like, it's fun. It was good. I had a really, I enjoyed it. I felt moved by the ending. You know, I, it had all that effect on me that it was supposed to. I was a little, little confused, but I mostly felt like I knew what was going on and I was moved by it. And yeah. I, you know, I got the experience required. For me, can't commit to, like, I'll hear someone's watching anime and they're like, yeah, it's 648 episodes or whatever. And I'm like, because I know if I like it, I'm going to want to watch all 600. I can't be like, well, I'll watch 50 episodes of it or whatever. Yeah. No, I'm going to be like, now I need to spend the next five months of my life watching this one anime TV show. Yeah. And I'm like, is, having spent maybe two years watching Saturday Night Live, (laughs) I'm like, is there a thing there right. that really am I going to watch dozens and dozens of hours of this one anime? Or am I going to watch like dozens of movies in that time of all different shapes and styles and times and, you know, but no disrespect to if somebody likes anime, if that's their thing. It's just for me, it's a commitment that I don't feel I don't feel willing to make. But, like, I've seen some anime stuff, and I'll watch more stuff. Like, I'll watch a thing in the future, and I'm not going to be like, oh, I don't do these things. Yeah. It's just, like, not an anime guy, if I'm being honest with myself. Does that make sense? 100%. Okay. Chris Shalakian, <laughs> thanks for doing this podcast. Thanks, man. The Everything Now Show streaming on Twitch, twitch.tv slash everything now show, streaming two nights a week. Mondays Actually, and Thursdays. By the time this comes out, about to be it three be times a week. Three times a week. So it's Mondays and Thursdays at 8 p.m. Pacific time, Hell yeah. 11 p.m. Uh, Eastern time. And Saturdays yeah. at 6 p.m. Pacific time, 9 p.m. Eastern time. Hell yeah. So smart. If you're a guy who's like, I work on, I live on the East Coast and I work on weekdays and I'm yeah. not going to stay up from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. to watch a comedy show on yeah. a weeknight. Well, now you can do that on a Saturday and it's a little earlier. So if you want to convince yourself you're going to go yeah. somewhere after and have yeah. fun, you can convince yourself that. Yeah. You know you're not going, <laughs> but you can at least entertain that hypothetical in your yeah. brain while still watching our show. Unreal. And then the show ends and you go maybe next week. I go I- outside. Maybe one day. Any other places people can find you, follow you, see, what, see what's um, going on? I'm on Twitter. Chris Chalakian. I'm on. I don't know if you'd want to follow my Twitter though. It's it's not it's not fun anymore. It's mostly just like scary events about Armenia that I have to talk about out of a deeply psychological thing. But my Instagram that I think might be private, but if it's not, or even if it is, no. If it if it's private, don't go near it. But if it's not. Follow me on Instagram. Also, Chris Chalaki, and I paint a lot. Oh, you do big painting. Which we have to talk about big painting. But oh. I, I, I have started painting about four years ago. God, I started that's cool. doing it mostly for like a therapeutic that's thing. Sick. But I really love it. I do abstract stuff. Fuck yeah. And I really love it. So you can see my paintings on there. I post Hell them yeah. sometimes. Oh. 
and fascinating cool reveal in the last minute yeah, of the podcast yeah, that i'm an abstract painter yeah, yeah sick. I'll show you some of my stuff i'm excited to um, see it and that's it join the everything now discord if you want to keep up with that the stuff and um shit i don't know what else do i got going on if you guys know anyone who wants to buy a feature comedy film that's like a comedy noir email mackin and then he'll reach out to me that's it deal okay thanks chris <laughs> bye dude bye bye we're also neighbors yeah we live i walked here and it took me seven seconds real time amazing it was awesome dude thanks for having a good time i appreciate it it was great man hell yeah bye chris bye bye fuck yeah dude that was awesome man that rocks